When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Ho, 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 welcome in MD Nation to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Check us out on our YouTube channel and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And then download us on your favorite pod streaming app. Get ready for that Christmas family drive by listening to us on the way as we get you ready for your fantasy football playoffs and make sure you download us on the Amazon App Store. Maybe while you're sitting around the fire, opening presents in the background, you have us on your Fire TV and Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer, and we are going to go over our full Week 16 Christmas Round 2 Playoff Preview. Can you feel the energy, Chris? I can feel the energy. I also can feel some of my negative energy. I got my Christmas gift maybe a little early from the playoffs. Uh, Tom Brady brought me a nice big box of nothing and coal. Uh, <laughs> sunk my team. And, and so trying to feel festive. But, yeah, I don't know how everybody else is feeling playoff-wise. So hopefully we can help you guys more than I kind of Tom Brady helped me this past week. He ate the cookies. He took a drink of milk. And he pooed all over the table anyway. <laughs> like this, yeah, it was, pretty it was, much. Look, I mean, you weren't alone with Tom Brady. Week 15 was a, a disaster pretty much for any player that was a superstar that helped get you to the playoffs, unless his name was Cooper Cup, which I'll just say this, since you want to talk about Tom Brady and your league and his demise, Cooper Cup came through with a Wednesday or a Tuesday night miracle for me and kept me in it. And now I am heading into the second round of playoffs in pretty much all of my leagues, except with the exception of maybe three. Um, I'm in like 15 leagues, so it's hard to keep track after a while, but 
in it to win it all the way. And of course, we're going to help you guys out, part of MD Nation. Make sure you guys are hitting me up. You've been doing a pretty good job this week. I, my I, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but our DMs have been very busy this particular week at Billy Up MDFF show. Getting a lot of questions. And unfortunately, we have a big show to do today. So we're not going to have a mailbag segment on today's show. But that doesn't mean we're not helping you guys out if you hit us up and follow us on social media all the way through. Make sure you check out BillionFantasySports.com. My rankings are up to date. My first round anyway, for what it's worth, because COVID-19 has other plans like it did last week too. I'll be updating those throughout the weekend to make sure you guys know exactly where players are being valued at and how to make some roster start sit decisions. Even if you don't feel like answering the question, you can go there. But Chris, not a lot of time, big show to do. So let's dive into this thing right away. We got the Thursday night football to kick off. The 49ers versus the Tennessee Titans. We already know Elijah Mitchell, he is ruled out. So he's out of the way. Tennessee Titans right now are the number one defense against running backs for fantasy football purposes. Jeff Wilson looked better from a physicality standpoint, although it doesn't hurt when you're playing Atlanta. I have him at RB20. Do you agree or disagree that he is a low-end RB2 against Tennessee? I think Tennessee is getting a little bit of hype based on the ranking more so than what you've actually seen this year for their defense versus the run. I know they were pretty stout last week, uh, but you also got to look at kind of the stats. And you, you got two games versus Houston. You got two games versus Jacksonville. You got a game versus the Jets, the Chiefs, Buffalo. All teams not necessarily known for running the ball or having great running attacks. So I think one of the things that's benefited them has been the opportunity to kind of be able to be in games where they've been low scoring. They kind of balance the attack and they haven't really been gouged versus their opponents. New England ran the ball pretty effectively versus them. Different teams run the ball pretty effectively versus them. And I think the 49ers definitely attack this team. I think Jeff Wilson might actually be a little bit low. Uh, I was a little down on him last week, but after watching him get all the carries and get all the play, you know, 80% of the snaps basically in the halfback position, you didn't see you check kind of steal his touches. You didn't see Debo really steal his touches. So I think Jeff Wilson actually might be top 15, if not maybe possibly top 10 guy this week. Yeah, Debo Debo had six carries in this game. He still winds up with a rushing touchdown because Debo Samuel just finds a way to get in the end zone one way or another, regardless, it seems like anyway. But to your point, yeah, Wilson got to dominate. Now, they were up big in that game, and they got to kind of work out the second half. And again, it's against Atlanta. So you're going to look a little bit better against Atlanta than you are against other teams like Tennessee, who shut down Najee Harris for 18 yards. I don't disagree with you there. I don't think he has top 10 potential because he doesn't catch the ball enough. And I don't think that role goes to him now. They're still going to utilize Debo in that role, juice check in that role, especially on third downs when it comes to pass protection. And this is a tougher matchup. But the volume, to your point, is there. He is the lead back. There's no doubt about that. At the very least, he's an RB2 with a chance to get a touchdown. He is a guy that you can plug and play in your lineups this upcoming week. Obviously, you had to play Debo Samuel. It was nice for him to get back to being more of a wide receiver last week as you saw the targets go up. Not a big stat share, but again, they kind of worked out the clock the entire second half. Brandon Ayuk, we know we're going to play George Kittle. So Brandon Ayuk, he comes at wide receiver 32 for me. It's a good matchup on paper, but if Debo Samuel is going to get back to working in more as a wide receiver because Jeff Wilson's a little bit more healthy, we saw Brandon Ayuk, while he played more snaps and had more routes run, Target-wise, it's more of a back step to Debo Samuel. Are you willing to play Brandon Ayuk as a wide receiver three this week like I am? I was a little interested when I saw your rankings because I was trying to figure out how you're going to sustain having George Kittle such a high ranking as a tight end position and having Debo as a top five guy. Um, I, I think you kind of penalized maybe Wilson's production 
as a result of kind of book boost Nayuk. I don't think Ayuk's going to be able to produce this week as necessarily. I like Wilson's more worthy having the opportunity to kind of be more prevalent in this game. The 49ers are going to throw the ball a whole lot in this game. And I think that if you're going to have Debo Samuel be one of the top 10 running receivers, or in your case, in top five guy, I think this is somebody that Brian Nunez, I have more nervousness about kind of putting in my lineup, particularly in a line a game, like I said, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring. The 49ers not necessarily didn't throw the ball a lot versus his team. Yeah, that's why I disagree with you. I think you, I think the best way to move the ball against Tennessee is to throw the football, and that's why I think there's going to be a little bit more of a volume stretch there. And I don't think Debo's going to go. He's still going to get six to eight carries. He's still going to be involved in the backfield. Brandon Ayuk is a boom or bust option for me, though, nonetheless, because it is going to dictate does Debo stay more involved or at least as involved as a running back as he does a wide receiver, again, for him to be in position to get the volume that he needs to be a wide receiver three. But again, you like the matchup. He gets just as many receiving touchdowns on a per-game basis as Debo Samuel does. I think everybody in the passing game can eat here, with Jeff Wilson still being an RB2. Now, you think he's going to be more a little more bust? We'll see exactly what happens there, but I definitely think he's an option this week. We move over to Tennessee. Things get real small real fast. Before we get into the A.J. Brown of it all, let's talk about Dante Foreman. Because he's had back-to-back games now where he goes over 100 yards, gets 20-plus carries. It was a tough match against San Francisco. They've been one of the better teams against the run, especially in the past month since Fred Warner has been back. He comes in my RB 23 because he's the one guy that I know this offense, as much as they want to try to open up and throw the ball and get some offensive momentum going, they need a power run game in order to function. So against San Francisco, I think he's got a good shot for a touchdown, maybe not 100 yards, but I think you got a safe floor of about 80. You're going to get 20-plus carries, though, no matter what the game script is, no matter what happens. I think that's the basic overall necessity for trying to get an RB2 this week. Where are you at on Dante Foreman? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't think he's going to get 20 touches, but I think he gets to 15 to 20 touches in that range. As you kind of pointed out, it doesn't really matter the game script for his involvement. He is the early two-down back, no matter how the score necessarily is you know they were down big against New England and he still was involved heavily in the running game. So you kind of see him utilized no matter what. They kind of have to use their running game to kind of offset their horrible offensive pass protection line. And I think that over four you're going to see him have a safe floor like you talked about. Might not love the ceiling versus the 49ers who have been more stout versus the run as of late, particularly versus power run teams. Teams. I think the 49ers team can actually you know dominate line of scrimmage versus Tennessee offense. So I don't really love Foreman, but I do think he's a solid floor. I think he's definitely got some RB2 flex potential as well, potential this week. So let's talk about the wide receivers. Julio Jones somehow doesn't have an injury designation. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. No, obviously. But Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are both going to be out in the field. That's more the point I just wanted to kind of put out there, apparently. What do you do with A.J. Brown? I do like the match against San Francisco. I've I've been saying this the last few weeks. They have a mediocre secondary. They're playing better than what they've looked because of the teams that they've been playing and because they've been able to dominate line of scrimmages. But it's his first game back off the IR. He had two dud games before he even went on injury reserve to begin with. Ryan Tannehill looks completely lost without Derrick Henry out there. Heck, this entire offense does. A.J. Brown comes in at my wide receiver 29. Ultimately, they need him. And I think the targets will be there. I think he'll play at least significantly enough. If it's not a full snap count, that he can at least be considered a wide receiver three, especially going into a week where a lot of teams' rosters might have gotten turned upside down either due to COVID or injuries from last week. So he is an option. But do you want to play? Is he a must-start, I guess, is the better question in your eyes for an A.J. Brown? I think if you're playing the three-receiver league, it is. 
Um, kind of to your point, I don't think you want to expect more than getting receiver three production out of him. But I think if you're looking to have receiver three to play in a lineup this week, he's probably one of your better options you can have. There's a lot of boom bust guys out there, and there's not a whole lot of guys right now producing at a consistent rate. So AJ Brown has a chance to do just as much as anybody else does, even with limited you know touches maybe or versus 49er defense. Um, I think the secondary is definitely exploitable. You saw last week they kind of picked on the Mosley kid a lot. Um, he's able, he's not, he's a guy that you can kind of really attack and kind of pick on if you kind of get one-on-ones with him. So I do think this is a situation that Tennessee can kind of take advantage of AJ Brown, at least with that upside potential to do that. But you do want to save floor in a sense. You don't want to bank on this guy being what you drafted him to be with receiver one. You hope you, you can't really bank on that in your lineup. So therefore I think he's a receiver three option, a pretty strong receiver three option, but I don't think you can really bank on any more than that. Yeah, it's all, about, it's, all, it's all contextualized. It's all about what you have on your rosters. Otherwise, you've been getting through to this point without A.J. Brown. Why is that, and is that still an option? Which is a very interesting question. Unfortunately, because it's a Thursday night game, you just have to make a decision so fast on it. And you know what? I, do have to, I think we do have to give this as general advice, Chris. If you have somebody who's on the COVID-19 list and you're not sure you're going to play and they're your only other better option or equal to – do you just go ahead and play a guy like an A.J. Brown because you know he's going to be active for this game? I think in some situations you do. I mean, it depends on what your waiver wire kind of looks like. Maybe there's some kind of better options you think. Maybe you can kind of wait to play the waiting game and still have some choices. But otherwise, if it's kind of barren, I think you play the guys who can play now and healthy. Um, kind of saw with OBJ last week in the game after – the day after he had kind of played, he tested positive and would have been out. So with A.J. Brown and right now how the whole COVID thing is kind of going on, I play the guys I have as fast as I could in a sense just to get them out there to know, that, hey, if you're healthy, you're going to be at least hopefully producing something. That probably led to why people have actually advanced the second round from last week. Anyway, let's talk about betting this game. San Francisco are minus three favorites over the Tennessee Titans. The overrunner set at 44. Give me San Fran on the road at minus three. I do believe they cover this game. I'm just not impressed with what I've seen out of Tennessee. And I don't know if A.J. Brown coming back on a short week of practice is going to be enough to get them over the hump and actually looking like a competent offense right now. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad call. I think the 49ers should win this game, but I think this is a pick 'em game. I don't want to mess with this game. I think it can go easily either way. Both, I think I said, I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. I think there's going to be a game kind of one at the end where either team can kind of pull it out. Let's move on here. We got two Saturday games, two Christmas Day games for this week. Cleveland Browns, once again, playing on a Saturday. They're taking on the Green Bay Packers to kick this thing off. So we have some updates on the COVID-19 list. Austin Hooper, he did get activated. And Kevin Stefanski, even though he doesn't play, sounds like he's going to be back and coaching on the sidelines this week as well. Outside of that, we've had no update. We've had no update on Baker Mayfield. We've had no update on Case Keenum. We've had no update on Jarvis Landry. As of right now, all those guys still on the COVID-19 list. We don't expect Kareem Hunt to come back from his ankle issue anytime soon, at least not this week anyway. So that means Nick Chubb, Fire him up as an RB6 because, once again, he has to be the entire offense. Yeah, well, there was a little bit of an update on, on Baker Mayfield in the sense that they he basically can play no matter what because he he's he's vaccinated and he's been out the 10 days regardless. So basically what they're so saying a, is... He's asymptomatic. Let's go through that. I mean, do you want to go through that? Well, let's make sure everyone's up to date on what the new COVID protocols are. Yeah, go ahead if you want to go through that. I, okay. I basically, I was just going through Baker, but you had... Yeah, so basically, just to get you guys up to date in case you haven't heard yet or are still confused by it. 
essentially it boils down to this. If you are unvaccinated and you test positive for COVID, you're automatically quarantined for 10 days. That's why in Cole Beasley's case, he tested positive for COVID. He's automatically out this upcoming week. And you have to test negative in order to come back out of quarantine. If you are vaccinated and you are able to test negative once while also being asymptomatic, you can come back, which opens up the window for these guys being able to come back who are vaccinated on the same week that they test positive for COVID-19. For instance, guys we'll talk about later in the show, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they're not out of it because they were vaccinated. And as long as they're asymptomatic and can test negative once, they can come back now. So that that's the big difference. Before you had to test twice for 24 hours, now, now you don't. And, and you had to be asymptomatic. Now it's a little bit less, so you have a better chance for now. But go ahead with, Nick, with uh, Baker Mayfield's update. Yeah, and just, just one more clarification for everybody. That's not Aaron Rodgers type of vaccinated. That's the real vaccinated. <laughs> or, or Antonio Brown type of vaccinated, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, so Baker, there's a good chance that Baker is probably more than likely going to play. I don't think it really changes anything. I think that everybody kind of knows this is Nick Chubb's offense. This is going to kind of go as Nick Chubb goes. Um, I'm. I was kind of curious to see what your what your take is without you know the backup situation where this backfield used to be able to feed two guys and you know fed them pretty well, especially with Kareem Hunt in the backfield. When Kareem Hunt kind of went out, Jonas Johnson still had a role. Now he kind of seems to be you know phasing out and kind of be forgotten about. Is he just somebody who you can't even bother rostering right now, or can he still be maybe a flex option in this game? What are, what are you looking at? So Dearness Johnson, other than that first, that very first game that Kareem Hunt was out, when you go back to when he first injured his calf injury, I believe it was his first injury, he was had a role in that passing game for that week. But that was also the same week that Nick Chubb was coming back the first week off of his injury. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Since that point, whenever it's just been Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson, Chubb has dominated the snaps. That has Dearness Johnson has had no role other than being a handcuffed running back. Now, I don't know how much roster flexibility people are going to have, but if you do have it and you have Nick Chubb, I would still hold on Dearness Johnson for one more week. Why? I don't know if Kareem Hunt's going to be back week 18. In fact, week 17, excuse me. In fact, I lean towards him not being back in week 17. If something were to happen to Nick Chubb or you pop up in the COVID-19 list, you'd want to have Dearness Johnson on your roster ready to go already. But I'm only keeping him as a handcuff. If you don't have room for a handcuff on your roster because you've been ravaged by injury COVID-19, you need actual playable options. I'm okay dropping Dearness Johnson in that instance. But yeah, he does not have the Kareem Hunt role or a Kareem Hunt light role as long as Nick Chubb is fully healthy and ready to take on the workload. Yeah, it definitely looks that way. And I think that it's I'm kind of just asking, and I see that it wasn't ranked, and I know Nick Chubb's you know ranked number six, and I think it's a big part of why, because he's getting all the volume kind of in the backfield and most of the production. I think maybe other than Jarvis Landry, possibly if he is to be healthy, um, and I still think he's kind of a, a receiver three flex option at best because you just can't bank on Jarvis Landry doing anything. There's not a whole lot of options you're really excited about in this Cleveland offense regardless other than Nick Chubb. No, I mean, if Baker Mayfield plays, I think I might have some interest in Donovan Peoples-Jones just because he had eight targets last week with Nick Mullins. He would get all the targets again without Jarvis Landry. So if you need a a guy to hit a home run on 
and you're looking around, you just you're in deeper leagues. He's a guy that you can have your name out on, especially if Baker Mayfield's back. But outside of that, I'm I'm with you. I'm not touching anything. All the tight ends are back now, so I definitely don't want to touch them either because they'll just eat into each other. On the Green Bay Packers side, we have uh, Aaron Rodgers. You're playing him, obviously. He's been great. I don't think when's the last time he's even thrown less than three touchdowns at this point. Devontae Adams, obviously, you're playing him as well. So the split between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon went back towards Aaron Jones's way last week. They both scored touchdowns, but Aaron Jones led the way in carries. Looked like he was getting a little bit more healthy. Looked like they're a little bit more comfortable with him getting back to being the lead back. I still think this is ultimately a 60-40 split when it comes to overall usage between these two players favoring Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon's not just going to go off into the ether. And I'd also throw this out there. If they get up big on Cleveland... A.J. Dillon will dominate the second half. That is still very much a possibility. So just kind of keep that in mind. But I think you can still play both of these guys. I have Aaron Jones at RB19, A.J. Dillon at RB33. Yeah, I think, you know, most versus Cleveland this this year, it's been kind of tough. Cleveland's been pretty good against the running teams. But in this situation, I think you can play both these guys. I think to your point, you really have a 60-40 split that can kind of change from week to week or just from even from, you know, during the game in some senses. You kind of see that usually they hang with a hot hand. They kind of go with game flow. So I think you're going to see those guys kind of be both involved heavily. Aaron Rodgers is kind of in his groove. And as a result, they're going to have opportunities to get touchdowns and hopefully have some opportunities to have some plays. Might be pretty, you know, curious to see the weather is. I think that can kind of also impact this game. The colder, the better for the running game in a lot of ways. So you're going to have a kind of tandem here that can kind of well, still produce. It'll be produce. cold in Green Bay this week. I can get yeah, so, that. <laughs> so you're going to have a team there that can kind of be physical with you. And I think in this situation, you have a team that can kind of wear on you with those two guys, and both guys can be productive. I, I forgot to mention, too, there might be some chance we see Jalen Alexander back Green Bay's defense getting a little bit stronger, too. Let's go about betting this game. Minus 7.5 for Green Bay in Green Bay over Cleveland. The over-under set at 45 I think I think that over number number is, is about right, but I am going to take Green Bay to cover in this one. They are by far the better team. I I think the Browns actually become a more high turnover prone team with Baker Mayfield returning to the lineup. Quite frankly, and even against the Raiders, they weren't able. They put up fourteen points. Yeah, they had the offense run through Nick Chubb, but this offensive line's not blocking great at the moment. They were on their backups, and we still haven't had a lot of COVID updates for their offensive line as of right now either. I just don't know how Cleveland could put together enough points to keep this game close. Yeah, I think the only reason the way they can is that the defense plays really well and kind of keeps the game close. One thing they have kind of in their advantage is that Green Bay does play with that really slow pace, so therefore they can kind of allow That's you to kind of hang around. The past few weeks, though, they've actually, they have gone down to the top 15 where they were sitting in the bottom 20 uh, for a while. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers wants to get off and go rest that toe, I think. Maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, so I definitely agree with you. But they definitely – their whole offense in, in right now looks good just because – I was talking about this in one of the shows that Aaron Rodgers looks you know, better hurt in a sense because he's just quick to make the easy throws and kind of relying on being a quarterback versus being an all-world you know, playmaker. Um, so I think it's kind of benefited him and Green Bay in a lot of ways. You see that some of that second receiver production kind of spurred up as a result. You know, I know MBS had kind of you know a decent game last game. I think he might be banged up a little bit, but I um I think him or Lazard COVID. depending. He's on, on COVID right now. Oh, so he's on COVID right now. So if he's not back, I think Lazard could be an option as well this week because I think that's when you're going to see Green Bay to be able to kind of attack this team in different ways. And I, I agree with you. I think Cleveland's going to struggle, struggle to kind of move the ball. The only way this game's actually going to be closer, I think Green Bay's kind of due for a dud. 
Um, that's the only way I can see, but I agree with you. Green Bay is definitely a superior team, and I think they should be on the cover. Yeah, just quick mention. I, I don't want to play anybody named Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, in going into my playoff matchups. If Scantling misses and you're desperate, maybe you can contemplate a Lazard, but I'm not trying to touch either one of them. We're talking about the second round of playoffs. There's got to be better options that you can trust out there. But let's move on to that Saturday night game. You got the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals that just got shellacked by the Detroit Lions. Unbelievable. What are we going to expect in this game? We know Jonathan Taylor. He's the number one running back. This team is fully committed to being a run-first team with Jonathan Taylor. That's not going to change anytime soon. I do think you could trust Michael Pittman. I would tend to think that he's not going to get himself ejected for the second week in a row. That, first and foremost, that'll help quite a bit. But he's still going to be the lead targeted guy. Colts will have to put up points outside of Jonathan Taylor this week. I don't want to be the defensive battle that it wound up being against New England last week, or at least not to that extent anyway. So I do think Michael Pittman is a playable option, and not just a playable option, but I have as a must-start when you consider him at wide receiver 16. Where are you at on Michael Pittman in this one? I think it's more about where do you feel about Carson Wentz when it comes to Michael Pittman. I think if they're going to be able to throw the ball with any kind of effectiveness and Carson Wentz is going to have you know single uh, double-digit you know, throwing yards, I think you're okay. If you get the you triple need, digits, you need them to you're good you, you need them to force Carson Wentz to throw the ball more than 12 times, which I do think exactly. happened this week. Yeah, but I think that there has been all over the production. I think it's probably kind of see Pittman being all over the you know the place over the last few weeks. This team hasn't really needed to throw the ball a whole lot, and therefore they haven't really been relying on him. Uh, I think this game is a game where you have a good face, fast pace when it comes to Arizona and how they kind of play. I think Arizona is kind of trying to find their identity. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit more of a defensive battle in some senses because I do think Arizona still hasn't kind of clicked, and I think they're a, a, a tough matchup. The Colts are a tough matchup for this offense in a lot of ways. Having said that, I think it helps the offense have more chances to kind of be out there, make some big plays. I don't love the secondary for the Arizona Cardinals. I think defense is still overrated. People love it, but I don't. So I think this is definitely like Michael, Michael Pittman is definitely you know receiver two option, if not maybe a worse receiver three option. Yeah, I agree with you on that point. Arizona, I know Kyler Murray stunk. But look, you got to play him as a QB1. We know what his ceiling is when he starts running the football. I suspect he'll go back to running the football and using his legs a bit more this week. I do have him as a QB8. You can throw on this Indianapolis Colts team. And it wasn't like they didn't have any success throwing the football. Zach Ertz was still a fine finish last week. He comes at my tight end six. There's no way you're not playing him at the tight end position. Christian Kirk was very good. He's my wide receiver 31. I do think you play Christian Kirk as a mid-level wide receiver three. Of all the Cardinal wide receivers, he's the one I want. He's the one who has the volume of an A.J. Green, but he actually has the big play potential to go along with it, especially in this match against the Indianapolis Colts. Where are you on Christian Kirk and A.J. Green this week? Yeah, so overall for this Arizona team, this this high-scoring team that can score 30 points to anybody, I've never seen less of receiver options outside of DeAndre Hopkins that I want to pick from each week. I think it's always hit or miss. Every time you think you figured it out, you don't. Um, I don't like any of these guys particularly high. Christian Kirk's probably the only playable guy for me. I think A.J. Green, I know that he's got kind of the solid floor where he's getting the targets. and People like to put out the red zone numbers. I just don't see his Arizona team really clicking particularly in the red zone to get down there. And A.J. Green doesn't look right to me right now. So put all those things together, I think that Christian Kirk's the only guy I really trust to play in my passing attack. Zach Ertz is, I think, a decent option. He looked good last week. Two weeks before, he did nothing. It's kind of like how the receivers seem to be, where it's one week, you know, guy does something, the next week they do nothing. Christian Kirk, why I'm a little bit down on him. I think he should be a little bit more 
you know, stepping up with DeAndre Hopkins out. But he seems so like Van Jefferson to me, where they have to have like that one big catch where they just basically do nothing for you. It's well, that, I, that, I disagree that. with that because without DeAndre Hopkins, they had a ton of volume last week. And as I was going to say that about AJ Green. Yeah, maybe he doesn't look right. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look great all season long. He looks like an old man who's done with football. But if he's getting enough volume, these guys are getting seven to nine targets. That's what we're talking about in this in this instance. Yes, and you're looking for what look at their production overall and why these guys continue to be available a lot of times on waivers is because these guys haven't reduced in week in, week out. That's why they kind of add to a team to get dropped next week because they haven't been consistent enough to kind of guess that. So that's kind of my point. I think the volume is there somewhere. Just you could luck finding it all weekend and guessing what it's going to be. I'm more dependent on guessing with the running backs than I would the receivers this week. Yeah, and we'll get to them in a second. The last thing I want to just say is that Rondale Moore also not practicing today. If he's going to be out too, this thing's going to be totally consolidated around Wesley out there, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Zach Ertz. If it's going to be that kind of consolidation against a Colts team that you can throw the ball on, I'm going to be good playing Christian Kirk. Maybe AJ Green is a more desperation play just because you kind of need that touchdown to balance out your levels. But Christian Kirk, for sure, will be a playable wide receiver three. Let's get to the running backs, though. So first and foremost, James Conner has not practiced both Tuesday and Wednesday. Remember, this game being on Saturday, that's the equivalent of missing a Wednesday and a Thursday practice. So we'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the Friday practice. It'll be the last practice of the week. We got to see if he can get out there. There hasn't really been much chatter about James Conner and his status one way or another whether they think he's going to play and be fine or whether they're actually feeling like he's in danger of missing. So make sure you follow us along on social media at Billy MDFF show tomorrow. We'll keep you up to date on that. That's first and foremost, but let's take this from the assumption that Connor does play. I have them ranked pretty much right next to each other. I got James Connor RB 26. I got chase Edmonds at RB 28. The volume was very close right off the bat. And it was also very obvious that the Cardinals didn't want to fully release Chase Edmonds his first week back. They held back his snap count a little bit more so than they would have in a game like that. He looked good when he was out there. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of Chase Edmonds against a Colts team that's good at stopping the run up the middle, and you have a more effective time throwing them out of the backfield. And we just talked about their weapons and how inconsistent they are. One of the things they need to do is get back to throwing the ball to the running back out of the backfield. That's going to go up Chase Edmonds. So I think... Both guys are very playable. Obviously, Connor has the touchdown potential. That's why I think you still have to keep playing him. But So if these guys are in there, I have them both as RB3s. Yeah, I 100% agree with the running back situation. I think both guys are definitely RB3 flex options for you to play this week. I think Chase Evans might have the safer floor in a sense of what you're kind of pointing out with the involvement in the passing game probably more than likely. I think James Connor is definitely injured. I think he's going to play. I think this is going to kind of be them – I think last week was kind of a microcosm of what you're going to see where they are trying to avoid using the running backs in some senses. So Connor, that the whole, you know, him being a workhorse back, I think those days are definitely over until maybe probably to at least the playoffs. I think they want to savor him and kind of keep him out there and not use him, but not necessarily feature him. I think you're going to see these guys kind of be flipping, splitting their 60, 40, 50, 50, pretty much moving forward. And as a result with his offense, I think you can't take too much out of last week. It was kind of a weird situation. They ran the ball like 12 times between the two of those guys. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again this week. I think you're going to see both guys probably get, you know, de- definitely double-digit touches, if not in the, both kind of in the teens. And I wouldn't be surprised if both are definitely good options for you to have in your lineup this week. 
It's a high over under, at least higher than I was expecting anyways. It's set at 49. I don't think this is going to be an incredibly high-scoring back-and-forth game. I'm going to take the under on this one. The line is basically a pick It's minus one in favor of Arizona at home. Give me the Colts plus one. Give me the under in this game. I do think the Colts behind Jonathan Taylor just continue to frustrate the Arizona Cardinals. I think they wind up losing two in a row. Yeah, I definitely think that could happen. I think it's a pick game where I don't necessarily have a favor where I want to bet on. I do think Vegas has something in some maybe a feel for this game in a sense that when you look at the Colts offensively, they should be able to score on this Arizona team. And if you put the pace with Arizona and kind of this team that basically usually scores between 20 to 30 points in a game, you're probably expecting that it's going to be a higher scoring game. But I agree with you. I think this team it could be aired more towards of a defensive battle because both offenses, particularly passing games, are kind of sputtering right now. You might kind of see this kind of result, a lower score than people expect. Well, now we move to the day after Christmas. Everyone's hung over from holiday joy and all the Christmas presents are unwrapped. But with the second round of the playoffs, there's no time to play. You got the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, this is, super this is game. going to be a more exciting game, I think, than people realize. Look, Detroit's going to be interesting this week. DeAndre Swift practiced today. And it was, he was, I think the official report came out that he was a limited participant in practice. If he practices again tomorrow and there's no word of a setback, I think you're actually going to see DeAndre Swift. Chris, you and I have had this debate off air, and I said to you, I was like, look, the only reason Swift still has a chance to come back this season is because Dan Campbell is not with the 21st century. He's proving it by bringing DeAndre Swift back to practice on a Wednesday this week. I think he's going to play. I really do. And if he's going to play, he's an RB17 for me. He's a must-play RB2 in a nice match against Atlanta. And this isn't a situation where I think he's going to come back and be on a limited snap count. If he's coming back and playing this week, it means Dan Campbell plans on using him and using him quite a bit in a nice matchup here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Yeah, I think more of the key for this game, what you like about DeAndre Swift and his necessarily a ceiling, is whether or not Jared Goff plays. I think it's going to be kind of it's kind of interesting that we actually need Jared Goff to kind of be out there for this <laughs> trail offense to be productive. But you know the backup options. That's why he's been playing this whole season and hasn't been benched just by his kind of up and down you know, play. Their backup situation is horrendous, and I don't think anybody can necessarily survive that situation. So I, I do, I think do have an update for you guys about about Jared Goff, though, by the way. Uh, he was saying he was feeling a lot better uh, and on his way to being asymptomatic. Again, going back to the new COVID protocols, all he's got to do is test negative once, be asymptomatic, he'll be back in there. So there actually is some positive movement that Jared Goff might be available on Sunday right now. Yeah, and that, that would definitely benefit those guys. I think DeAndre Swift, to your point, is definitely going to probably play if he's active. I think there's no point of actually having him practice or go through all this if you're not going to play him. 
And I don't think there's any point of having him active if you're not going to be utilizing him. I think Dan Campbell is kind of foolish in the situation, though. I think I you kind of saw, I think you saw a lot of guys kind of you know get injured lately. And I think that with the whole situation that's unfolding, particularly trying to pull in Detroit, it's just a stupid move. But hey, yeah, you're rebuilding. I, 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 like, I like Dan Campbell. I mean, I think for so far, I like the whole idea, like the whole mentality of trying to create a winner, but. This isn't the way to go about it right now. No, I totally agree. Look, the only argument that they're going to make and what that's what they're going to say is that they're trying to rebuild this culture to a winning culture to a win now, even when you know you're out of it and done for the season. But yeah, you're a rebuilding team. You've actually had success on the ground anyway without DeAndre Swift. And he's the, by far your best offensive player that you have as of this moment. He is right now, as it stands today, would be your future essentially, especially offensively. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense. But again, that's Dan Campbell, and that's why I thought DeAndre Swift still had a chance to come back this season, and we're about to see it. So for fantasy owners, you got to be pretty happy because he's going to be back in your second round, a nice matchup here. If Jared Goff, let's assume Jared Goff plays, because if he doesn't, then I don't think you really want to play St. Brown. But assuming Jared Goff does play, and let's say DeAndre Swift is active, I still love St. Brown in this game because for me, with no TJ Hawkinson, he gets to dominate that middle part of the field. St. Brown has been on fire the past three weeks. I think he continues to get his double-digit targets. I love him as a wide receiver 20, a must-play wide receiver 2 for me heading into this matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. I know the trending in the last two weeks is he's been more involved and everybody's loving how he's doing, especially over the, like, talk about the last three weeks' production. Um, I am not a fan of him this week for the simple fact that I think DeAndre Swift throws a monkey wrench on everything. And I think as a result, you're not going to see him nearly be as featured as he was. He was the focal point of this offense in a lot of ways. They were the using him in the back- passing game. They were using him out of the backfield a lot, though. And they were using they him in the field. last week. I knew you were going to bring that up, and I was ready for it. They did not use him out of the backfield last week. So it was, it was, that's not the issue for me anymore. They were targeting him consistently within that 5 to 15 yard range. That's not going to go away because TJ Hawkinson's not going to come back through the door. DeAndre Swift coming into this does not take away the prospects of St. Brown getting double digit targets because there's nobody else to go to with the ball other than a Swift and a St. Brown in a good matchup against Atlanta. No, I think that there is somebody that's good at the ball to it, and that is Swift. I think that's the key. You you can prepare for him not coming out of the backfield, but what you're going to have is Swift that's coming out of the backfield. Where is he going to run his routes? Where is he going to get his little things underneath where he's been one of the most targeted running backs in the league this year and has been one of the top pass catchers out of the backfield? So obviously he's going to be involved in the passing game more than likely. So that's going to take away from somebody's targets in the passing game that wasn't being taken away from before. Craig Reynolds isn't a threat that takes away your passing attack, nor was you know a, De- a Nuque who kept fumbling every other play. So I think you look at the two guys who were basically could cipher his touches, particularly the pass receptions in that short area that you talked about. There is a guy already coming off the sidelines more than likely this week that can kind of fill that role and take away a lot of that target. To take away a lot of those targets. It doesn't take away the targets of St. Brown. DeAndre Swift would get eight to ten targets in a game with TJ Hawkinson getting about the same. St. Brown is now taking over. He's the wide receiver getting the targets before, and now he takes over the TJ Hawkinson role as how, well. how consistent has TJ Hawkinson been productive-wise this year? I'm talking about targets. I'm not talking about production. If the targets okay. are there, St. Brown's a more productive player. What you're saying, you're saying the math doesn't add up, but I can go back to you week after week after week. That math, as far as the opportunities, definitely adds up. And St. Brown being a good player right now and looking like a very good slot player that you can't cover against this Atlanta secondary, the production would be better than, say, it would with a TJ Hawkinson earlier in the season or at times during the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he has an opportunity to be a guy that's involved in this offense. I think he'll be a, a receiver that will be kind of thrown to. I just have think his ceiling is very limited, and therefore I wouldn't be shocked if you get like a four-catch, 36-yard game. And I think people were disappointed with that last year, you know, the total PPR league where you're happy with that as a receiver three or something. Okay. That's our disagreement for it, or one of our disagreements for the week. Let's find out what happens going into next week. I think I won most of our disagreements last week, though. I'm just going to. You know, the Chase Claypool thing, I didn't realize he was going to play like, you know, 35% of the snaps either. But <laughs> That's the way he was trending, though. That's what I was trying to point out to you. But anyway, neither here nor there. Let's talk about Atlanta. So you pretty much, you, you know what you're going to play with Atlanta. You're playing Cordell Patterson. Obviously, you love the match against Detroit. And you're playing Russell Gage. You're probably going to play Kyle Pitts. He's still getting a lot of targets. It's still the matchup. He's still my tight end eight. Do you disagree with any of that? Are you not going to, maybe you're not going to play a Russell Gage. Maybe you're not going to play a, a, a Kyle Pitts. Cause outside of that, I don't think you're playing anything else. And I'm not streaming Matt Ryan. Yeah. I, I hate this Atlanta offense in general, other than Cordell Patterson, but I do think that you can recognize that Gage has been kind of more effective and kind of fills that early Calvin Ridley role where the guy can catch, you know, seven catches for 49, 50 yards. He's definitely going to be that guy, maybe be utilized in the red zone here or there. So I think Russell Gage is a playable guy. Kyle Pitts, you got to pretty much throw in your lineup because outside the top, you know, three tight ends, basically, who else are you going to have that you're going to throw in a tight end position over Kyle Pitts? I mean, I, I think it, I think the list has grown from that because I'm consistently putting a Zach Ertz in and consistently putting a Dallas Goddard in. Uh, well, Goddard, I, mean, I like, but I don't. I think Ertz can go over to me. I think there's similar guys, but I understand what you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm just, I'm just saying there's been guys that have been consistently putting out ahead of him at this point. I do think he has reached that bottom level tight end one where you are asking yourself, do I stream at this point or not? But this wouldn't be one of the weeks for me, that, that, and that's where I I, I agree with you on, on that point. Uh, as far as betting this game, because I, I think you hit a nail on the head and Russell Gage, he's on a similar trend like St. Brown is right now. I think you're just going to play them if you've been playing them to this point. I'm kind of surprised by this line. So the Falcons are favored by minus five and a half in Atlanta over Detroit in this game. The over-under set at 42 and a half. I'm more, I'm more intrigued by the over-under than anything. This game's going to go over. These two teams can score points on each other with the way their offenses are constituted compared to the lack of defensive talent. This game is going to go over 42. I can almost guarantee that. So definitely hammering the over. As far as the line goes, give me Detroit plus five and a half. They're playing tough football. Grind it out. Get it down your throat. I don't trust anything on Atlanta. So I would probably take Detroit plus the five and a half, but I'm definitely hammering the over here. Yeah, I like the over bet. I don't necessarily care for either team so to win. I think Atlanta should is one probably going to likely win. I think Detroit should kind of return to norm in a sense. But either team can easily win this game, as you pointed out. Both offenses should be able to move the ball versus these future defenses. So I think it's an opportunity to have, for the over to happen. It's just kind of hard to get excited about because you know, both offenses have been so awful at points this off season. Now, having said all, I like the over as long as Jared Goff plays. If he does not play, then all bets are off. Right, yeah. If Jared Goff doesn't play, we'll just go back to it. Then I probably wouldn't play a St. Brown. Um, I probably would still play a DeAndre Swift just because he'll have a safe floor in the running game. But I, yeah, I wouldn't play a St. Brown, and I wouldn't bet the over on this game either. So just to kind of clarify there. But what I do want to hey, do is Sam, real quick, you think you could play Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift this week, or no. you think it's only one running back situation to play? It, it's look, DeAndre Swift is not the only running back who's going to get touches. But because Jamal Williams, for whatever reason, is not allowed to be involved in the passing game anymore, you'd have to pray for a touchdown for him to return any kind of value to you whatsoever, especially in a playoff week. There's just not a ceiling there 
to be had with a Jamal Williams, even though it's against Atlanta because of what his usage has been before he went on COVID-19 even. And now you can even think that Craig Reynolds might be involved in his role to some degree. The only player I'm interested in is a DeAndre Swift. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I tend to. I think it's like they're have some, you know, interesting moves to kind of make you add a Craig Reynolds. You're kind of excited what you saw. You may have Joel Williams coming back off, but now you're kind of in a situation. I'm with you. If Swift's active, I think it kind of sabotages the other guys until you, you know, to be declared to be determined as our boy Chaz kind of has a show on Saturday. I think in a situation, that's something you kind of wait and want to wait and see. Not in playoffs necessarily to play right now. I agree with that. All right, I want to do a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview because we're doing the full Week 16 Christmas second round of the playoffs preview matchups today. So everybody stay tuned to the Empty Spanish Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. And make sure you download us after the show on your favorite pod streaming app so you can take with us on your drives, your holiday weekend, and make sure you fires up on your fire TV on the Amazon app store. Just look up the MD's fantasy football show will be available to you there uh, along with your Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhow. We're going through a full week 16 preview match up here on this holiday week. And Chris, you talked about in the beginning of the show, how disappointing Tom Brady was. And just to kind of encapsulate week 15, you know who the number one quarterback was? Oh, that's right. It was Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley was the number one quarterback. I made so much money in DFS because I played him, and it was just because he was cheap. And it was a shot in the dark. The one thing he proved was that he's going to get the ball to his best targets, Mark Andrews, and even Marquise Brown. I, I know everyone's all pissy about Marquise Brown production. I'm like, he still had 10 catches and 14 targets. It wasn't like he wasn't trying to get him the ball. Uh, he attacked him. He got yeah, tackled as soon as he would touch it. That's the problem. They only got 44 yards, no touchdowns. But he made sure he got the ball to Mark Andrews. He made sure he got the ball to Marquise Brown. And he actually ran more effectively than Lamar Jackson's been running over the past few weeks. But he can scramble too. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you are a Lamar Jackson owner, and Chris, we're actually in a, a 
a unique situation where most waivers for most platforms don't run until tonight. Now, we already had the waiver wire show yesterday morning, but if you're a Lamar Jackson owner and you're listening to this show, you're watching this show right now, make sure you're picking up Tyler Huntley this week. Lamar did not practice this week, and I know they're hopeful, and they say, like, oh, we think Lamar Jackson is going to be back week 16 and all this. If he can't get out on that practice field, he ain't going to play. And after Tyler Huntley's performance last week, I don't know there'd be a big push to just force Lamar Jackson out there. They lost that game, but it wasn't because of Tyler Huntley. They lost that game because of that defense in the 31 to 30 battle. They had a chance to win at the end. So Lamar Jackson is my QB nine, but I will literally take out Lamar Jackson, put in Tyler Huntley as my art, my QB nine. If he winds up being active instead, what are your feelings about this guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Tyler Huntley fan. Um, I'm, we talked about Tom Brady kind of kicking off this part. And Tom, I actually owned Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson. And I had that kind of debate last week. And, of course, I regret who I chose with Tom Brady. But Tyler <laughs> Huntley was the guy that I really debated. And I think you can have a debate this week, even against some of the upper echelon guys, because I think Tyler Huntley shows you that he has one of the safer floors right now, particularly for fantasy football. We've seen Jalen Hurst be a guy who's been pretty good week in, week out because of the legs. Not a lot of guys who are scrambling right now and consistently producing with their legs. This is a guy who's going to do so, as you kind of pointed out, even more effectively than Lamar Jackson has more as of late. And is able to get his playmakers involved. You put those two things together, you have a quarterback who has a good floor and has a nice ceiling. You don't have, you definitely right now can't ask for much more, especially how these quarterbacks are all over the place. You know, Patrick Mahomes went off last week, but had come off three or four weeks in a row where he had single-digit points. So, I mean, you look at these, guys, these quarterback situations, Russell Wilson's been struggling, Aaron Rodgers pretty much the only one elite guy who's really been doing what he's supposed to do. Matt Stafford kind of got back on track, but he's been hit or miss as of late as well. So Tyler Huntley might be turn out being one of the better options you could have. And if nothing else, you can keep him off somebody else from playing him as well. So I think it's a must-add for a lot of people out there if you're still in the playoffs, even if you're not Lamar Jackson owner. Agreed. You need to block people this week and, ne- and next week. But you need to start looking at blocking people if you have the opportunity to do so. If you, you need a running quarterback this year, just in particular, like just they've always been you know kind of a cheat code. But this year, with the how inconsistent quarterback has been, if you don't have a Jalen Hurts or a Taysom Hill or a Kyler Murray, you have guys who have been so inconsistent throughout this entire season. Tyler Huntley, somebody that I just I think you could take Lamar Jackson out, plug him in if that winds up being the case. And I almost think you might even like it more for Mark Andrews if Tyler Huntley plays because he's hitting him in stride. And he's been an absolute animal with Tyler Huntley back there. Not that he wasn't good with Lamar Jackson, he was still a tight end two on the year, but. Last couple of weeks, he's been a man possessed. He comes in my number one tight end for the week. Of course, you're playing him. And Marquise Brown, yes, again, I'm going back to it. Even if it's not Lamar and it's Tyler Huntley, I'll take 14 targets for Marquise Brown. I think maybe next time he can break one. I'm not going to worry about that. He's my wide receiver, 19. The real note that came out of last week was their backfield situation. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. 
Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. So I do have Devonta Freeman ranked as my RB31. He's still been the better guy. I do believe he's still the lead guy more times than not. But what we saw last week was a Devonta Freeman who got cold, and then they let Latavius Murray actually play more. So this was trending towards being Freeman's backfield the past couple of weeks prior. Are we now back to a 50-50 hot hand approach? I think we're back to a hot hand approach. Another 50-50. I think Freeman's still going to get the first opportunities. I do think you're we're going to see start seeing Latavius be utilized a bit more as the season progresses. Anyway, I think Mora wasn't so much that Freeman was kind of the RB one. I think they were kind of worried about Latavius getting re-injured, wanting to make sure he's going to be prepared for the playoffs, so they can kind of you know move on from Le'Veon Bell as they did. So I think a situation where they want to kind of utilize both these guys. I think that's been the vision for this backfield for most of the you know. For the last couple of years, where they haven't wanted one guy, they kind of want to have that speedier guy who kind of do a little bit of everything. They want to have that kind of banger. I think they kind of got back to that role with the guys they have in place. And I think you're going to kind of see a game script kind of appear where there is a kind of a hot hand kind of thing that kind of materializes, or can they run the ball effectively where both guys can kind of eat? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I would want to trust it if you have other options to pivot to, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley back there when it comes to the backfield. Let's flip things over to Cincinnati, though. I want to play everyone I possibly can. First, first, the good news on Cincinnati. Joe Mixon practiced in full today. So the original report was that he had a one- to three-week ankle issue potentially that he was looking at. He came out practicing full. He's not even on the injury report anymore. So he's going to play. That's the good news if you made it through with Joe Mixon. Some of you may not have because of his performance, but everybody had a bad performance, so who knows? Maybe you might have. If you did, you're playing him. He's my RB7 on the week. I love Jamar Chase. He's my wide receiver 7. I love T. Higgins. He's my wide receiver 12. Joe Burrow, my QB 13, so he's one of my top streamers of the week, and that may change. This thing is still float. Uh, fluid with COVID and, and guys being not available, that still may change. Burrow may get into my top 12 before Sunday rolls around here. I'm playing, I'm even considering streaming CJ Uzuma, Chris. I mean, am I crazy on the Bengals? I'm excited about everybody this week because Baltimore's got nothing left on defense. Yeah, but they have a lot of pride and they have been being able to kind of hold teams down. I don't agree with you so far. I definitely <laughs> agree with you, but I think they have... They had to do a job of game planning to a degree where they take certain things away. Like Devontae Adams didn't have a big game last week. And a little, you know, Aaron Rodgers still for three three touchdowns. Um, and he still had, you know, over 280 yards passing. But it wasn't like they were running the ball over the place. Like Green Bay's offense was just unstoppable. You know, Aaron Rodgers played really well and threw some incredible passes in that game. Um, but did. overall, I think, you know, Ravens defense still was serviceable. And there's lots of sealers out there in a sense is what I'm trying to get at. And as a so result, four more I, players on the COVID list today from that defense. Then, then it is kind of scary. I don't really think it really matters having talked about the Ravens defense at all this time. It really matters the Ravens defense at all. I think it totally depends on what Cincinnati team shows up. As we see, Cincinnati is a total Jekyll and Hyde team. It doesn't really matter who their opponent is. They can play with anybody. These guys should be always guys you want to have in your lineup. The problem is, is can they actually sustain and you produce because they've been so clunky this entire season. Joe Burrow can be a stud and then can throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns next game. So it's really hard to kind of bank on anybody. Jamar Chase is, you know, a, one of the supreme worst guys you can have, but it's been really kind of struggling as of late. T. Higgins is basically unguardable as a second receiver. So when you look at kind of like Uzma and even, you know, Taylor or Boyd, I, I look at those guys as they're 
maybe you can feed one of those guys, but you tell me who you want to play over those other guys because I really don't think you can feed all of them. So that's where I kind of have a little bit of well, trepidation. So here, trying here's to throw where it's been. When CJ Usman has had his good games, it's because he hits that like one or two big play touchdown that big, passes. That big pass, yeah. And, and that's what you listen. But against Baltimore, that's been there for tight ends this season. So that's why he does enter my streaming territory. You don't. He doesn't need a lot of targets to be effective. That's not what you're looking for with a CJ Usama. And again, it's just going back to personnel matchup with these wide receivers. And I'm going to say this too. The Bengals have been proving a point this year that they're ready to take on their AFC North bigger brothers, in a sense, with Cleveland and Steelers and Ravens now for the second time. I just either come out and play one of their better games and a more higher scoring game they're more capable of doing than we saw again against Denver in Denver. I think they come out and they play really well game, a really good game here against Baltimore. This is not a good defense. You can talk to me about pride. You can talk to me about game planning. Personnel-wise, flat out, they don't match up. And I want to play everybody that I have. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. I mean, you're playing those guys regardless. We're more talking about, do you actually stream a Joe Burrow? Do you stream a CJ Usma? Depending upon what your other options are at those positions. And I think the answer is this week, you definitely can. If not, yes, depending upon what your team is. Obviously, I'm kind of tipping my hand here on what I'm going to bet on. So it's in Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are only favored by minus three. I don't really have a problem with that. This is going to be a tough AFC North matchup. The over-under set at 45. Hammer the over. Because I do believe whether it's Lamar Jackson or Huntley, Baltimore's going to put up some points along with the Bengals. So I'm hammering the over here at 45. But I'm also going to take the Bengals to cover at minus three at home. Yeah, I think this is a tough game for myself. I think... I'm, I still have the scar in my mind of the Ravens getting destroyed last time they faced the Cincinnati team and kind of got, you know, that big brother label kind of taken away from them and just got beat down over. Um, but I am kind of curious to see what Cincinnati team shows up. That's why I can't bet on this game because every time you, you figure Cincinnati out, they come and surprise you with a curveball. They're kind of like the Chargers of the Midwest right now. Well, I'm going to let it roll because they came through for me last week when I took them to cover because I couldn't believe they were underdogs against Denver. Uh, let's move into the Rams-Minnesota game. This is a game with a lot of fantasy points on the line for sure. But Matthew Stafford, ding, ding, ding. Matthew Stafford, my QB1 on the week. Now, you may be asking yourself why, because he hasn't always played great. And even this past week against Seattle, wasn't really a great performance for Matthew Stafford. It was great for Cooper Cup, but not necessarily Stafford. This is one of the best. If you're not next to Washington, Minnesota is one of the best matchups you can have for your quarterback. Plain and simple, especially with the amount of weapons that they have. And with OBJ back from COVID-19 list and everybody practicing this week, I don't think they're going to be as rusty. I saw a tough NFC West rival divisional matchup on top of an offense that looked a little bit rusty to me. I don't think you're going to get that against Minnesota in the dome here at Minnesota. So fire up everybody on the Rams as far as pass catchers and Matthew Stafford goes. Love him at QB1. Cooper Cup's my wide receiver one. OBJ, Van Jefferson, I think you can play both of them. Now, Chris, I'm going to kick this to you because I want to get your opinion on these two guys and if you would be confident playing them. But the reason I'm confident, one, we knew OBJ probably was going to have his full workload, being that he wasn't really practicing much the entire week and was just coming back off the COVID list. He still played 75%. He still played as the third receiver. Van Jefferson, yes, wasn't involved much in the box score, still had 92% of the snaps. He was still out there every little bit. Again, you love his ability, as be, again, in this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. I have them ranked back-to-back. -back. Van Jefferson at wide receiver 25. 
OBJ at wide receiver 26. The only difference is Jefferson has the chance for the bigger play. That's why I have him one spot ahead. But I'm playing both of these guys as high wide receiver three options. Are you? I am. I think this is definitely a good game for the Rams. Great matchup for them. We talked about the Vikings defense. They're really struggling this year. They really don't have a great pass rush. And they're a finesse defense, and that's something that plays right to the Rams' hands. They can play with finesse teams. How you usually beat them is you beat them up. So this is a team that can you know definitely attack the secondary. It's been suspect all season long. They lost Rashad Breeland last week as well. So they continue to be even farther along in the rabbit hole at corner. Um, and then you look at a pass rush, like I said, basically really isn't getting home right now. They don't blitz much. There's a lot of things that add up great for all these different playmakers, particularly the receivers for the Ram for the Rams offense. And the game should be pretty high scoring overall because I think the Vikings can move the ball as well in the Rams. Agreed. I think it might be a shootout too, which is why I'm pretty excited about all the pass catchers. I got a question coming in here from Dan on social media. Bucks or Miami this week, boys. Uh, it would be the Buccaneers for me. They're actually my number two defense on the week against the Carolina Panthers. There's nothing the Panthers can do offensively right now, period at all. So yeah, at least with the Saints, you still have Kamari, you still have Taysom Hill and probably not, not giving you too many turnovers. You're going to get the turnovers and the low scoring with the Carolina Panthers. So definitely play the Bucks there. Uh, as far as the running backs go, this is the other question we have for the Rams. So, Darrell Henderson was back. So, there's a big thing about this. What was the playing time going to be? This is a committee. Sony Michelle wound up pretty much dominating that game as far as usage goes. But was this a reflection of Darrell Henderson, like OBJ, trying to make his way back from COVID, not practicing much throughout the week, them not really wanting to utilize him, and therefore they utilized Sony Michelle instead? They were in control of the game for the most part. Are we going to get back to Darrell Henderson leading the way, or is this just a hot hand 50-50 committee, in your opinion, moving forward? I think the idea was to kind of have Henderson kind of ease himself back in, and if they needed him and Michelle wasn't being productive, then they would kind of transition back to Henderson if they needed it to. I'm wondering if McVay doesn't try to ride Michelle kind of experiment as long as he can. This offense kind of seems to be stabilized over the last few weeks with putting Michelle in the lineup. A big part of that's because he brings that kind of more of a uh, – uh, physical running style and more of a physical attack for them to kind of build their play action attack off of and kind of help that line as well. So I do think that right now he's kind of seen success offensively and kind of how it's stabilized. Maybe he doesn't want to necessarily mess with it. So I think it's right now going to be kind of a split in a hot hand. Michelle probably will get the early opportunities. If he fails, you'll probably see Henderson get the chances to kind of get sprinkled more and more as the season kind of progresses or unwinds. But I think right now it's going to be Michelle still going to be the kind of the guy. So I think it's going to be like a 65-35 split initially for this, at least this week. So we're seeing this differently then because I have Darrell Henderson ranked at RB22 with Sony Michelle ranked at RB32. First and foremost, I'd like to say, I think you can play both these guys. Now, I wouldn't expect a huge ceiling, but I think you can play both of them against Minnesota here this week. I do think it tips back to Darrell Henderson. I really think this is more of a reflection of them trying to work Darrell Henderson back in, him not getting much practice time than this was Sony Michelle has taken over this job. Maybe... McVeigh goes to a committee approach or some sort of split between the two, but we haven't seen that this year. That hasn't been his MO. If Henderson's been actually healthy and practicing, he's gone to Henderson. If Michelle's been the guy, then Michelle's been the guy. I don't necessarily buy into suddenly this is a committee hot hand approach. If Henderson practices in full this week, I do think he'll lead the way, but I'm with you where I don't think this is a full on Henderson's 80%. And that's the end of the story. I'm with you. I think I'm the opposite side of you, actually. I, I have it at 60-40 in favor of Henderson, but Sony Michelle still being involved. But that's why they're both in my top 36. But Henderson, I think you have to play him if you have him as an RB2. 
Let's move in. Uh, by the way, Tyler Higby still on the COVID-19 list has not been activated there either. Also another good thing for the wide receivers, quite frankly. Let's move into Minnesota. So Kirk Cousins hasn't been good the past couple of weeks, but he's had two primetime games the past couple of weeks. In a game in which we're both anticipating it's going to be a little bit high scoring, and he finally gets this little Sunday afternoon game so he can relax. Are you going to stream Kirk Cousins this week? I got him at QB 14. I think you ha- you can definitely consider doing so depending on what options you have available. I think he might be one of the better guys you can stream this week, options as wise. So with this game being probably high scoring, I do think they're going to try to you know throw the ball. I think you're going to have Thielen more than likely come back this week as well. There was a good chance he could have came back last week, so he's definitely practicing in limited capacity this week. So I think he gets kind of his plethora of weapons back. I think Kirk Cousins could be a streaming option, particularly with kind of the quarterback situations that we talked about and being all over the place. He might be a guy that, even though he's been all over the place, could still kind of be a hit for you this week. Obviously, you're playing Dalvin Cook. Obviously, you're playing Justin Jefferson. If Adam Thielen's back, are you going to trust him enough to play him his first week back where we know that Jalen Ramsey tends not to shadow as much anymore. He might be playing the area in which Adam Thielen plays, because Adam Thielen normally will play in the slot more than a Justin Jefferson will, about where Ramsey will match up. Plus, it's his first week back coming off a high ankle sprain. We don't really know how healthy, how agile he's really going to be. I got him at wide receiver 27. I'm just going off of, again, we go back to high-scoring game scripts we're expecting. He does have the potential for touchdowns, but he's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three for me. But are you going to play him? I would play Adam Thielen this week. I think that you've got pretty much a guy who's been one of the favorites in the red zone, and there's been a lot of debating, you know, would it be Osborne or be Conklin or these guys, people trying to find that third guy to kind of eat off of. So I think there's definitely enough to feed two guys off of in this offense. Adam Thielen's one of those guys who – Kirk Cousins obviously likes, especially in the red zone. The over-under set at 49 and a half. If I didn't take the over, after all that crap we just talked, I would be talking out both sides of my mouth. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the over in this game at 49 and a half. I do think both these teams we're going to see in the mid-50s, maybe even push 60 at the end of this game from these squads. The, the line is set at minus three in favor of the Rams on the road in this game. I would, if I'm going to bet on one of these two teams, I'm going to bet on the Rams cover at minus three because you're basically telling me it's a pick them there on the road at that point. But I feel very good about the over-under. Yeah, I love the over-under for sure. And I also like the Rams as well. I think they're going to cover and I think that they are the superior team. They should be able to beat them by more than three. I bet the Rams. All right, I like it. Finally taking a stand on one of the teams too. Hey, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots. Yeah, I know. Everyone's having PTSD from the first time around, but it's not supposed to be blizzard conditions with 20-mile-an-hour winds. In fact, in New England, it's going to be cold, but they're not really expecting bad weather on Sunday for this game. So everyone just relax, take a chill pill. However, that doesn't stop me from downgrading Josh Allen just a little bit. Now, he's still my QB 10. You're still starting him if you have him but maybe expecting a top five performance might be out of reach. Where are you at on this team? Remember, they're not going to have Cole Beasley. He's automatically out with COVID-19. Emmanuel Sanders is questionable. He practiced a limited capacity today, so he might be back, but he's kind of dealing with a few less weapons than he normally would have. Yeah, I'm not so worried about the weapons for Josh Allen. I'm worried about the injury and not being able to run. I think that's going to be the crucial part where he kind of suffers as a result and kind of what you're looking for out of Josh Allen, especially the ceiling. I think the floor is still going to be there because this, this team just loves to throw the ball and they're going to have one of the you know more volume probably than most teams week in, week out, other than maybe the Dolphins. 
So you're going to have Josh Allen's also going to have the volume and opportunity to kind of produce the numbers. But you're getting a lot of shallow, you're getting a lot of hollow numbers right now because the game is passing game so short and a lot of big plays in it. And you saw it kind of had a big game versus Tampa Bay. It wasn't with, with the air so much. It was more so using his legs. And without since that injury, I think that's kind of suffer, helped him suffer. And you seem to kind of rely on the running game, which was kind of odd. But they actually used it last week. And if that's going to be the case, then I think Josh Allen continues to be a guy that you can't necessarily bank on being an elite option for you, but still somebody probably starting because we drafted him. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Yeah, exactly. And even last week, he still had three touchdowns, even though they went to the run game quite a bit. I got a question here I want to get into uh, coming into the halfway through the show. Missed, sorry, guys, missed most of the show. What's the word on DeAndre Swift? And is Patterson hurt or was that a bad matchup last week? Uh, first on Swift, the word is he practiced in limited capacity. We talked about him. We're pretty excited. We think he's going to play and be an RB2. For Patterson, it's a mixture of he's probably not 100% healthy. It was a bad matchup, but it was more due to game script than anything else. The 49ers were up multiple scores in that second half. The Falcons just didn't want to use Patterson for absolutely no reason. Keep in mind, they're still fighting for a playoff shot, technically speaking. So not going to use up their best offensive player when the game is well in hand. That had more to do with that than anything. You're playing both of those guys this week. All right, getting back to the Buffalo Bills. So you talked about it. Surprise, surprise, they actually used a running game. Devin Singletary, he's my RB25 this week. He's a high-end RB3, a high-end flex play. I can't believe I'm saying this, but look, Zach Moss was inactive. We don't know when or if or what the, when he's going to be active. And Matt Breida, who's been playing as a second running back, he either lines up wrong, runs the wrong pattern, or he fumbles the football, apparently. He can't get his mind straight on the field. They might have found something in Devin Singletary finally where they've been looking for somebody to trust and depend upon. 
Singletary's been the rock all season long. And last week, when they finally gave him the workload, he had a pretty good game. We do know that if you're willing to commit to the running game at least half the time against the New England Patriots, you can have success against it. Chris, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you can be confident in playing Devin Singletary this week. Yeah, famous last words. I'm never confident playing any Buffalo running back. To me, this is a situation I still have winning. I'm not going to get caught up in the fool's goal last week. Every time you think Brian Dable has figured out how to run the ball or use a running back, it never happens. Can I give a caveat? If Zach Moss is going to be inactive again, I will definitely play Devin Singletary without blinking an eye. And I, I can't argue strongly that I understand your rationale for doing so. I'm just going to point out that they have an offensive coordinator that I think it actually caught, gives him hives and causes him great pain to call running play. So I think that last week, as much as he could he could tolerate Pollock for the next two or three weeks, I think they're going to get past happy again and go back to what he's used to he's used to doing, and that's not trusting the running backs and having Josh Allen do everything. Gabriel Davis is going to be my wide receiver 35 this week. I do think you can play him as a flex play. Again, no Cole Beasley. We don't know if they're going to have Emmanuel Sanders, but he's a big play. He's a touchdown guy, and all the defensive attention will probably be going to Stephon Diggs, but you're playing Diggs anyway. Dawson Knox, by the way, top nine tight end. You have to play Dawson Knox. Few guys have more touchdown potential than he does. You disagree with any of that? I'm probably most nervous about Knox, but I think the Beasley injury kind of helps him. Uh, hopefully, get the you know some somewhat of a floor. But I think the, the Davis thing is a great play because I think right now you see somebody Josh Allen looks for, and especially for the big play. So I think Gabe Davis has got to have in your lineup that could win you a, a, win you a week right now. He's a great boomer bust option. Though. You need to hit a home run. That's the guy you kind of want to turn to at the moment. Let's flip over to the New England side for fantasy. This doesn't take too long. Well, first, we'll give you the injury update news. Kendrick Bourne still in the COVID-19 list. Nelson Aguilar in concussion protocol. So we're not even sure <clears> what <throat> receivers they're going to have. Uh Ramondre Stevenson listed with an illness. He did not practice today. Damian Harris did. So we knew we do know that we're going to have Damian Harris in this game. Buffalo, kind of similar to New England. If you commit to the running game, good things have happened. I think Damian Harris is an RB3 this week, especially if he's the starting guy. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson, unfortunately, they've gone to this. Brandon Bolton, once again, is the only guy who's allowed to catch the ball, whether you know Stevenson and Harris are both active or not. So I think Stevenson kind of gets left out here. If Harris is, in fact, active and ready to go, you can play as an RB3, but he's a touchdown-dependent RB3. The only other guy I'll mention before I kick it to you, Hunter Henry. I know he had two touchdowns last week. I know everyone's getting real excited. You don't want to play tight ends, especially ones who don't get a ton of volume on a consistent basis against the Buffalo Bills, period. You don't. So he's not in my top streaming territory at all. So where are you at on Damien Harris, Hunter Henry, if you want to go there or the backfield in general? Yeah, I think Damon Harris is definitely a guy that you wouldn't have in your lineup. He has been the preferred back when he's been healthy for the most part. Stevenson kind of you know bombed out in the sense of his feature role last week, and you kind of even saw that kind of limited. As you pointed out, he wasn't really involved in the passing game, which he was allowed to be before. And Damian Harris will continue to be the guy, and because they utilize the running game so much in this offense, and especially in the red zone, I think Damian Harris is a must-play. I think Stevenson's a guy you can't necessarily bank on because, as you noticed, New England, if you miss anything, you mess up anywhere, you miss a practice, God knows if you're going to play the following week or how much you're going to be involved. Because he was already been out, I wouldn't expect Russian Monte Stevenson to be a guy that they're going to be game planning a lot with. So I wouldn't necessarily trust putting him in your lineup this week. As for Hunter Henry, I think he's just a crapshoot like everybody else is a tight end position. I think you want to play him or, or um, what was it, Uzma. I think all these guys, you're basically looking for a touchdown. That's all you can really hope for. 
but I think he's just as much of a hit or miss as any of the other guys would be probably as well. Talk about betting this game. I don't know how much I want to bet this game, but we do have the New England Patriots at minus two and a half at home to be expected over under set at 43 and a half. This is a no contest for me. I mean, this game could go either way. It could be lower scoring than that. It could be high. The lines are too dead on the money. And again, which doesn't really have an edge for me one way or another. Do you have a feel for this game? I feel like Buffalo should win this game, but I'm not necessarily confident enough to bet that. But yeah, I think Buffalo gets this game, but I just don't. I don't think it's. I think to your point, there's too many things that can kind of factor that can make that not be something that you can guarantee or even feel confident doing betting on. Are you ready for the showdown of the weekend? The Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Jets. Oh baby. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Everybody loves Raymond. They had that one episode where he's talking about going to the Hofstra game. He says it's going to be a big tickle fight, basically watching because the two teams are so horrible. That's what this game is going to be. But there's always fantasy value to be had. Guess what, James Robinson? Welcome back to the top 10 running backs. You are my RB9 this week. Got back into the end zone last week. Got back to having his usage. No more Carlos Hyde for the rest of the season. And a great matchup here. You're the only Jacksonville Jaguar of any interest in. Chris, are you as uh, as confident as I am when it comes to James Robinson this week? I am a little less confident he's a top ten guy, but I think he's definitely con- I'm definitely confident he's a guy you should have in your lineup if you have him. Definitely are playing him this week, and I do think that you can mention David Treadwell. I, I it pains me to say how many opportunities this guy can get, Juan, but he Juan has been Treadwell. with somebody. I'm sorry, yeah, Treadwell. Uh, Treadwell he's a guy who been had been heavily targeted the last two weeks, two three weeks, and seems to be the number one receiver, whatever that means necessarily for this Jacksonville offense. But he is, my top 36. <laughs> but he, he has been pretty consistent and he's got kind of this St. Brown numbers that kind of got St. Brown got on that role role before kind of building up that trend. It's not double digit targets. Yes, it's it's six to eight he targets. He had 10 targets last week, didn't he? That was the first week he's had double digit targets though since he's been into this new role. Let's not get carried away. It's only been three weeks. It, it, yeah, still is the only week he's had double digit targets. Let's not get carried away here. I think it was I eight weeks before. Yes, it was eight the week before. Again, my point, double-digit targets, first time since he's been in this role. Uh, we're not getting carried away here against the New York Jets at, at, at all, okay? I, you want James Robinson? Don't bother playing anything else because who knows if you're ever going to get a touchdown out of this passing game right now with the way they've been going. On the Jets side of things, the big news, of course, Michael Carter, he got added to the COVID-19 list. So he may or may not even be an option. If he's not, I think we know the drill. Tevin Coleman. It's the, it's the corner of Michael Carter, by the way. It's not the running back. Just to clarify for you. Um, I'm pretty sure that's false. You're throwing me for a loop now because I'm pretty sure it's the running back, Michael Carter, because they're talking about how Tevin Coleman I, had to move I, away. I, look, I looked it up, and I was pretty sure it was the corner. Uh, well, let me d- double confirm that. But if Michael Carter does play, I do have an RB27. You like the matchup, but the usage was very disappointing last week. Chris, we, we talked about this last week heading into that. Like, how much did you trust Michael Carter? Is it Was it just a reflection of it's his first game back? Or are the Jets in just, like you said, full-blown dumb mode and feel like they have to go back to a committee? Uh, I think it was pretty obvious they're in full-blown dumb mode. Um, they did re- not play Ty Johnson, at least. They gave Michael Carter kind of the floor opportunity to be involved in the passing game, I guess, is what you would call it. But they kind of gave him that Ty Johnson role where he played more snaps than Tevin Coleman did, but didn't get the early down touches, which is what Michael Carter used to get 
with that Ty Johnson role. So it's kind of like they flip-flopped in a lot of their roles that they were playing earlier with Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. Michael Carter's kind of filling that Ty Johnson role. Then Cullen's kind of filling the Michael Carter role. And therefore, Michael Carter's value really is kind of iffy at best right now, even with a sweet matchup versus Jacksonville. Ty Johnson was inactive last week. And you are right. It was the cornerback, Michael Carter. So that was that's my mistake. So yeah, Carter's a he's an RB three. It is another good matchup, but you have to feel uneasy about it because we don't know the exact usage he's going to have. Ty Johnson was inactive last week. We'll see if he's able to be inactive again this week. But if Tevin Coleman is going to assume the goal line lead ball kicker, quote unquote, you have to essentially hope for a shootout or a negative game script for Michael Carter to do his damage. Now, neither one of those things really promising against this Jaguars team. Jameson Crowder is dealing with a quad injury, although it doesn't really feel like it's the, the, the vibe doesn't seem like he's not going to play. We'll have to see exactly what happens. Let's assume the, the wide receivers who are left are active. Are you playing anybody? Braxton Berrios, Jameson Crowder. I think if you're in a full point PPR league, you can consider playing Braxton Berrios. Unfortunately, other than <laughs> that, no, because Crowder's also missed practice, I believe. So I think Berrios is to me the only Crowder guy. Did. Yeah. Yeah, you can consider possibly in a PPR league. Other than that, you don't want to touch. I think one of the biggest problems for Michael Carter and his role, you talk about the, you know, the game script and these receivers in general, they're just not producing anything in the passing game right now, and therefore there's not any guys can really eat off the passing game. So that you know, being a number one target on this offense, either with the backfielder as a receiver, really doesn't benefit you a whole lot because there's just not any volume there. This game's a pick em. Shocker. Uh, the overrunner set at 41 and a half. Give me the Jets. I don't think the Jaguars can win another game the rest of the year. Give me the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm going to take a stand. I'm not going to say no contest. I'm going to take the Jets at home because I don't think the Jaguars can win another game. Yeah, I'm trying to be. I want to take a stand as well. Uh, the Jets thing isn't a bad idea. I, I'm trying to take the stand where I just feel like what, what franchises would benefit least from winning, and that's the team that'll probably win. Uh, so I think well, that, the Jets as probably... of right now that would be Jacksonville because they yes. have they had the number one seed or the number one draft pick, I should say, as of right now. Yeah, so I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars, which would be advantage for them to lose, then it's basically saying they ensure they have the number one pick, <laughs> will pull off the victory as a result. I like it. I like it. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got more games to preview for the week 16 matchup. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. It's the holiday season and you don't know what to get as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor Manscaped has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below the waist grooming and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this 
and the women will love you for it. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch every episode and download us on your favorite pod streaming app to take with you on the road to your holiday whatever shindigs you guys have going on. There's a bunch probably this weekend, I'm sure. And make sure you download us on the Amazon App Store for your Fire TV and Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dahauer today to go over our full Week 16 matchup previews with our bets, our fancy expectations. We are trying to will you guys pass the second round to an MD Nation championship. And hopefully we'll be able to do so. And hopefully, most of all, for Christmas... I want a better week 16 than a week 15 because that was that was brutal. But I don't know if it'll be a better week 15 or 16 for the Giants. So first and foremost, uh, do we have clarification yet on who the starting quarterback is going to be this week from or Mike Lennon? I don't think we do. They have Judge has not come out and formally announced the quarterback who it will be. All the rumors will be it will be Jake Fromm, but there has not been an official statement yet by the Giants. So I actually wanted to be Jake Fromm as a Saquon Barkley owner. Because it would be better for Barkley that Fromm would be the quarterback. Fromm is a natural check down guy. It's what he did in Georgia. He doesn't. He tries not to throw turnovers. He tries not to go deep. He tries to keep it safe and play it short. And frankly, look, I know he only threw had fifty percent of his completion uh, last week. I think it was six of twelve, if I remember that correctly. Uh, but the offense actually looked better with him. And believe it or not, at this point in his career, I actually thought he threw a better ball than a Mike Glennon. I was actually a Jake Fromm fan when he was coming out of Georgia. I thought he was a little bit underrated. So I do think Jake Fromm should get his shot. And I want that. If I'm a Saquon Barkley owner, I want him as the quarterback because I know he'll be more involved in the passing game and be able to hit in stride. The one thing about Saquon right now, you look at last week and everybody's making a big deal about Devontae Booker. He outperformed him as a runner, blah, blah, blah. Barkley still had 15 carries. He still had eight targets. You will take that usage out of a running back. Is it pretty? No. Is he still an RB2? Yes. And he comes in RB14 for me on the week. More of a reflection of Fromm. If it's Glennon, he'll probably be closer to that 20-ish range, but it'll still be an RB2 play either way for me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Yeah, Saquon's not an elite play any longer right now, but he's still a safe play that you have in your lineup. 
he's definitely got a you know RB two ceiling basically and an RB three floor. So with the volume we talked about, he's definitely going to be in your lineup. I think Jake Fromm could hopefully help him. I mean, right now if you're a Saquon Barkley owner, you'll take anything and any kind of spark you could possibly ask for or get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't be any worse. I have no interest in playing a Giants wide receiver. Sterling Shepard's done for the year. Kadarius Tony is supposed to get off a of COVID nineteen list, but they have no idea where his conditioning is. I know Fromm actually tried to get the ball to Kenny Galladay more so than Mike Lennon did at the end of that game, but I'm not rolling the dice in my playoffs at all with the Giants wide receiver. Are you? No, especially for Asterius Slay. Yeah, exactly. Let's move to the Philadelphia Eagles side of the ball. So they had a nice outing against Washington on the Tuesday night game, picked up the win. Jalen Hurts was fantastic, had two QB sneaks for rushing touchdowns, had almost 300 yards, a passing touchdown, and even the interception that he had, it was a fluke interception. I mean, it was off the foot of Dallas Goddard. It wasn't really his fault in that game. So he looks like we are back to trusting him as a fantasy asset. He's a top five quarterback for me and really no questions about that. Do you? No, I think that the only thing I worry about is, you know, is he going to sustain this volume in the rushing touchdowns? Will the running back actually get a touchdown at some point? But other than that, you feel pretty good about Jalen Hurts all year long. Devonta Smith did get banged up a little bit in that game. From what I understand right now, though, there's the expectation is he's going to play this week. They're not really concerned about his availability. He does come in at wide receiver 17 for me. Now, it's been brutal for him. It's been brutal for him. Now, part of it has been Jalen Hurts has been banged up. Gardner Minshew have more of a rapport with Dallas Goddard. And yesterday he got Devonta Smith, that is. He got a little bit banged up in that game. I think ultimately, if you've had Devonta Smith with Jalen Hurts back in the lineup, I just think he's a, a good playable option against the Giants this week. Yeah, I think he's just as good as a receiver three option as you can look for out there. So I think if you have him, you're playing him. Dallas Goddard, obviously you're playing him. He's a top-tier tight end. He's been on a roll the past couple of games. The running back, the backfield is what we want to get into here. So Miles Sanders had a huge game. Doesn't practice today, and today wasn't actual practice. They had an estimation report. They weren't going to practice today after the game. So dealing came out of that game, I guess, with a quad issue, something he's been dealing with kind of with anyway. I'm not really too concerned about it, at least not yet. We'll we'll keep our eyes on this as we move forward. But assuming he's good to go, I do have Miles Sanders as an RB24 coming off of a strong performance. He's an RB2. He would be in my lineup. But I'm kind of curious, would you also play – Jordan Howard, who had 15 carries for almost 70 yards against Washington yesterday. I think right now you can. I think this Eagle offense is built with their running attack. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders seem to be the two-prong attack. Jordan Howard's kind of that finisher for them. Expect this team should be able to beat the Giants, should be up in this game. So I do think you can play both these guys. Okay. Okay. So pretty much you're sticking to your Eagles no matter what heading into this matchup. And pulling up the lines here for for this particular game we got the eagles heavy favorites minus nine and a half the overrunner set at 40 and a half so vegas i think is trying to tell us they think this game is going to go somewhat similar to how they played the last time around but this time with the eagles definitely leading the way i take the giants plus nine and a half i don't think the eagles are going to blow them out they don't blow out anybody that's that's the whole point they washington had garrett gilbert in a quarterback Terry McLaurin completely shut down or hurt Antonio Gibson. And that game was still close all the way to the end. So give the Giants plus nine and a half. But I do think I might take the over here, 40 and a half. I do think there's going to be more points scored this time around than it was last time. I am not going to agree with you with going the over, but what I will 100% agree with you is I'm going to also take the Giants to, to cover. 
I don't think the Eagles are going to beat them by double digits or 10 points or nine and a half points. So I think the Giants definitely can keep this game close. And I wouldn't be shocked if they can even pull off the offset. So I think the Giants definitely on this, this bet. All right. I like it. Chris, like Jake Fromm, give me the win. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Carolina. It's the Eagles and it is Jake Fromm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue. Tampa Bay, Carolina. Okay, Chris, I'm going to give you the floor here. Tom Brady, are you going to play him with the potential of not having a Mike Evans? We already know no Chris Godwin. Um, I think that if you have some options of waivers, like Tyler Hutley could be available for you, then if he does play instead of Lamar Jackson, I do think you would play Tyler Hutley this week. I don't think you can really trust Tom Brady without some of these weapons, particularly without having any of them. Antonio Brown being back will be huge. That will be very helpful. He should be somewhat on a better page with Gronk. But you don't have Leonard Fournette, which has been his security blanket. You don't have a GNI Bernard, so you don't have a backfield guy who you can kind of rely on. And you don't have other receivers you can kind of you know, look for. I, oh, yeah, we'll see how that works. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things for Tom is he, Tom Brady plays best when he's comfortable. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how comfortable he will be with all these different guys and kind of different faces. Can he still have a good, decent game? Yes, because they still have enough weapons where Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson aren't scrubs, where they could do something with Antonio Brown out there and Gronk kind of getting back on pace. Um, so I think that if you have a better option, you might consider it. I think you have to bench Tom Brady this week, but I think if you're looking to for a reason to, you can kind of look around to see some other guys we kind of talked about streaming this possibly. But I think he's a guy that you probably rode this long. And right now he's been one of the more consistent quarterbacks, even regardless of how inconsistent quarterbacks have been in general. So I still think you probably more likely to probably play Tom Brady this week. He plays better when he's comfortable, but he also plays better when he's fired up. And I have a hard time believing Brady's not going to be fired up in this game and out to prove a point. Carolina's defense I talked about this last week. Good on paper, yes, but crumbling. They're not the same defense they were before. You saw that Josh Allen hindered and all three touchdowns last week. So I'm not really worried about the matchup here against Carolina as it would make you think on paper. I do think Antonio Brown coming back does help a lot. The biggest thing is I've never seen Rob Gronkowski have a worse game. I've never seen him have so many drops in one game. And that had a huge, that had a huge role in that. I do agree with you. Leonard Fournette not being there as a safety blanket will be interesting because we've seen Ronald Jones try to do this in the past and just prove time and time again why he's just not nearly as good of a pass catcher. He just doesn't have the hands. Could he be competent enough with the return of Antonio Brown? I think so for Carolina. So he's my top five quarterback this week. The volume, the the philosophy of this team is not going to change. There's still going to be a pass first team. I think we'll have plenty of opportunities to get back on track in this game. So I have him as a top five quarterback. I don't disagree with you that if you have a Tyler Huntley, you might want to you might want to think about it because I do think Huntley will have a safer floor. I'll still have Brady ranked ahead of Huntley, but you can make the argument he'll have a safer floor in that matchup. You just want to go with that. I'm not going to argue with you whatsoever. But Brady is still a starting option on your team. Don't panic the entire rest of the way. Let's talk about some of those guys who are going to be filling in for those who are hurt. So I will throw this out there real quickly. Right now, I have Mike Evans ranked as my wide receiver 18. Again, waiting to see if he's actually going to be able to play or not. The door is open because it's a strained hamstring rather than a pulled hamstring. But we'll have to see exactly how this thing plays out through practice and if he's going to be available. Let's put that off to the side. Antonio Brown, his first week back. Bruce Arians saying today he looks just as good as he did before the ankle injury. There doesn't seem to be any concern about his physical ability this week. Do you think they let him come out and play his full workload, maybe just because they have to? 
I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's still going to finish as a top 10 receiver regardless. <laughs> <laughs> he can play 20 snaps and probably get targeted all 20 snaps he plays because I think that's what Tom Brady is going to look for him all day, every day. I think you're going to see Perryman run people off, and you're going to see Antonio Brown be the guy he's looking for over and over again. <laughs> I was going to ask you if that's where you were going. I was pretty sure it was, which is why I was laughing. Yeah. Because if you even look back at this when it was Evans and Godwin and everybody was healthy with Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown would play well significantly behind a Godwin's and a Mike Evans. Brown's on the field, Brady targets him. I don't know. He's just glued to the 81. There's a magnet with the 81 when it comes to Tom Brady. I got him at wide receiver 22 only because I'm being conservative for now. That He's probably going to move up. When Mike Evans gets officially ruled out, which I, I tend to lean is going to wind up being the case, I will obviously be moving Antonio Brown up closer to that top 12 range. It's more of just conservative of it's his first week back. We don't know for sure how much he's going to play, although I would lean towards that not being too much for concern. So I'm playing Antonio Brown one way or another where he's at. My rankings will just be reflected as we get later into the week. Ronald Jones, I got to imagine you're playing him no matter what. I got to imagine he's the number one waiver wire pickup tonight. He was mine when we talked about the show yesterday morning. I got him as an RB8. It's this offense. He's going to get all the volume. Keyshawn Vaughn, they showed last week they don't have confidence in Keyshawn Vaughn. I think that shows you why they tried to sign Le'Veon Bell. And I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell either. So Ronald Jones, especially for this week, not only would be the bell cow back as far as the carries, I think he's going to get his opportunities to catch the ball. We'll see how it goes. But just the pure volume here makes him an RB1 for me. Yeah, he'll probably have you know, two or three targets and drop two of them will bounce off his brick hands. <laughs> but I think in Tom Reed, he'll go make that face and that you know, that disgusted look of get him out of here. Oh, um, mm. But I don't think that's going to matter because I think Ronald Jones' fresh legs is going to be a real problem for Carolina's rush defense. And you talked about kind of Tampa Bay's running game. Now it's been one of the more critical things they've been able to do this entire season. I think that's not going to change at all. Ronald Jones is going to be one of those guys you can feel confident having in your lineup. Has RB1 potential, if not RB2 you know, floor at least. He's going to be revolved in the red zone. I think he's going to have a big game, though, because I think he's going to run hard. He's going to run, you know, run well at this game. I think the team's going to kind of rely on him to kind of set the play action passes and kind of you know take shots down the field with him. So I think Ronald Jones is going to be a guy that you definitely hope to have added in waivers or have on your team already and definitely in your lineups. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, I just I want to reiterate this. You're starting Rob Gronkowski with confidence, and he's he's going to be a top five tight end the rest of the way. I mean, he's my number four guy. The volume he's going to see is going to be insane next to Antonio Brown, and I don't think he's going to drop the ball three, four times like he did last week because that's not Rob Gronkowski's style. Let's kick it over to Carolina. I honestly can say that you can get away this week without playing a single Carolina Panther if you really want to. Now, I do have DJ Moore, assuming he plays, because he wasn't able to practice today with the hamstring injury, but there was no report that he had a setback. I do got him at wide receiver 30 as a reflection of the volume, at least, that he saw, and then it only takes one play with a DJ Moore. But we don't even know who the hell a quarterback's going to be. Matt Rule, Cam is going to start, but Sam Donald's going to have a role. I mean, if you can get away without playing Carolina Panther, overall, that would be my advice. Yeah. I, I think DJ Moore is still a guy you can play. And I think DJ Moore is kind of that Brandon Cooks in your lineup right now where you're you're sticking him in there and you're just like, you're the only guy that can do something, but you kind of feel a little bit of confidence because he's the only guy that could do something for them. So I know it can <laughs> be scary, but it's probably, it gets scary, but it's also something that you can kind of, you know, hopefully maybe bank on as well. So I do think you play DJ Moore as if you have probably, I don't think you'll have a whole lot better options than DJ Moore really this week. Having said that, there's nobody else that I'm looking to have in this lineup. 
And I think Matt Rule's doing a horrendous job of taking a promising offense and just putting it into the total shitter right now. I said the second they fire Joe Brady, Matt Rule's going to get fired at the end of the season. I feel more and more confident about that as the weeks pass. Tampa Bay favored minus 10 on the road, minus 10 on the road, 44 and a half over under. I don't know about the over under because I don't know how much Carolina's going to score, but I'm taking the Bucks to cover. I don't think Carolina can score, and that's that's the problem. I don't think they're going to keep this game close. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that Tampa Bay is wounded, definitely beat up, but after watching what Buffalo did to this Carolina team, I see there's no reason Tampa Bay can't do something similar. I agree with you. This defense is going to give it all kinds of issues on Carolina's side. I think everybody's going to be able to cover as a result. Let's move to the Chargers and the Houston game. So there was back and forth reporting going on early this week about Austin Eckler. Is he on the COVID list? Oh, he's not actually on the COVID list. They don't think he's going to be on the COVID list. Well, guess what? He's on the COVID list today as of a few hours ago. So, Again, we go back to if he's asymptomatic, we know Eckler's, we actually do know Eckler's vaccinated. So if he's asymptomatic, he's able to get one negative test. He still has a shot to come back. So he's still going to stay in my rankings. And obviously you love the match against Houston. If he can't go, we did get to see a glimpse last week that it would be Justin Jackson as the main handcuff. Do I think a Joshua Kelly and or a Larry Roundtree will be involved to some degree, maybe particularly in the goal line? Yeah, probably. But Justin Jackson's the closest thing to an Austin Eckler that they got, and they're playing Houston. So here's what I'm going to say. I don't have it ranked this way yet, but if Eckler's going to be out, Justin Jackson Justin Jackson is a must-play RB2. 100% I agree. I think he's a top 20 option as well, definitely this week. The wide receivers fully go. Keenan Allen, top 10 guy. He's safe floor, high ceiling. He's scoring more touchdowns later in the year as we've gone along to Justin Herbert's getting back on track. And Mike Williams, look, Mike Williams is still a bit robust guy to me, but he's a low-end wide receiver too against Houston. Okay, so I think you're probably playing these guys more than not. If you have a safer option than Mike Williams, I think you can go that direction. Again, he does have that bust factor where this could just be Keenan Allen and the running game, and that's the end of it against Houston because that might be all they need. But I think more than that, you're playing these guys. I mean, do you are you going to play Mike Williams? Do you have confidence in that? I would play Mike Williams. I understand some of the trepidation about not playing him for a particular fact that the, the Texans and Detroit Lions have been one of those teams that every time a good team that should just blow them out plays them, and you're getting all excited about yeah. fantasy-wise, they never the guys never do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So it's 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 really interesting to see the kind of un, not unfold. But I think in theory, Mike Mike Williams has a great smash spot this week. So I would I would want to have Mike Williams in my lineup preferably. It's just how the season's kind of gone. I don't know if you feel confident doing that or not. I understand that. I think it's all depending upon what you have available to you. And obviously you're playing Justin Herbert on the Houston side. And Cook. Brad, you can play play Cook. Play Houston. Every time you play Houston, if you have a tight end that's decent, no. has a pulse, you can play him and Parman's still out. So I think Cook is a, definitely a guy that you can have as a sleeper option to stream, especially this week, and has some upside. No, that's a good point. With Parham out, Jared Cook is definitely a streaming option this particular week. They may or may not. It's going to be a boomer bust, but he's got just as much streaming upside as any of the other. Everybody scores versus Houston. That's all I know. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right about that. Absolutely right about that. On the Houston side, the only guy we cared about, Brandon Cooks, tests positive for COVID-19. He's on the COVID list as of today. Same song and dance. Now, Cooks, I don't know if we know for sure one way or another he's vaccinated or not. I will say this, though. With the new protocols in place, if a player is not vaccinated, they're pretty much reporting right away that they're out that week. So when the player doesn't get reported as being out immediately, 
is a decent sign that he is vaccinated and therefore would have a shot. So that's just me reading the tea leaves on there, kind of how this thing's gone so far. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. If Cooks is out there, you didn't really like the matchup anyway against the Chargers, but kind of to your DJ Moore point, they've been moving him all around. He's the only guy in the offense who can do something, and Davis Mills has been looking for nobody but Brandon Cooks. So he did, he did come in as my wide receiver 23. However, you better have a pivot option in place because we don't know if he's going to be active. Yeah, and that pivot option is not on the Texans roster. No, <laughs> no it's not. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do offensively. Uh, if they don't have Brandon Cooks out there. So the Chargers, minus 10 favorites on the road. Similar last week. I mean, we got a lot of double-digit favorites on the road here. 45 and a half. It is. 45 and a half over under. I I have to take the Chargers minus 10. If there's not going to be a Brandon Cooks out there, I don't know how Houston moves the ball and scores. So while they've, I know there's been plenty of games where they've kept it surprising and kept it within the line, I get it. Chargers have a tendency to just not blow people out like they're supposed to. There's no logical explanation I can give to not take the Chargers minus 10 in this game. So I'm just going to say take a minus 10. Yeah, I'm going to stand with you on this one. This is my last logic stand of the the year because (laughs) this has seemed to work too much for me. But I just feel like right now when you look at this team, there's no way unless the Chargers just completely just implode that they shouldn't be able to beat this team by double digits. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. All right, so let's go into Chicago and Seattle. Well, this is gonna be <laughs> this is gonna be another lovely matchup. Let's start with Seattle because we Lots do have of fun some... football last three weeks. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> let's start with Seattle because we do have some silver lining news going on with Tyler Lockett. It's coming from Pete Carroll's mouth, so it's always kind of hard to say if it's true or not, but. The word is that Lockett is close to being activated. So at least there's some hope. Now, in Lockett's case, and this is how stupid the NFL is, by the way, because Lockett went on the COVID-19 list last week, he did not get grandfathered in to this new protocol system. So he still has to test negative twice in a 24-hour period on top of being asymptomatic in order to get back to being activated, unlike everybody else who's getting on the COVID-19 this, this list this week. Explain to me how that makes sense, because it doesn't. So that again, that's just the NFL's stupid. But the indication being that Tyler Lockett may be tested negative today and therefore is on his way back to being activated. That's the good news that we have, or at least that's the comments coming out of Seattle at the moment. You're definitely playing Tyler Lockett if he plays. Chris, DK Metcalf had 12 targets yesterday and did nothing. And Russell Wilson 
<laughs> shorted him by a mile on what should have been a bomb. I'm I'm sticking with him playing DK Metcalf against Chicago. The matchup's too good. The ability's too good. It only takes one play. I'm going to close my eyes and play DK Metcalf as a wide receiver too. Are you with me, or at this point is the ship sailed? No, I'm with you. I think. I mean, I'm not going to feel like necessarily I'm guaranteed to get receiver two production, but I'm going to have <laughs> in my lineup, and I'm going to at least figure I probably a better option than any receiver three. I can probably add to my team, so I probably I'm playing DK Metcalf. So you're playing them. Are we? Pl- <laughs> so here's the other one, and people are going to hate me for this. Russell Wilson, I think, is a top streaming option. Chicago is so bad against quarterbacks. I am not getting swept up in what happened with Minnesota this past Monday night. I'm not. Chicago has let every quarterback, including guys like Ben Roethlisberger, give top 10 performances with them this past week. If Tyler Lockett's back in the lineup, I think Russell Wilson can give you a top 12 performance. You don't want to play him. I don't blame you. I'm not saying you have to play him. I'm just saying if you're desperate, and you're looking around for options, he could actually legitimately be a streaming option if all these guys are back. Because this is how bad Chicago truly is when they're not playing an NFC North divisional rival matchup. Uh, Chris, I'll give you the floor. You can tell me how nuts I am. No, I don't think you're totally nuts. I think the problem that you have for the top 12 finish is Chicago's offense. Chicago is not going to make Seattle score enough (laughs) and make Seattle have to throw the ball enough for Russell Wilson to be able to do that. That's kind of my concern. You have two coaches who will be thrilled if this game's ugly as possible. Pete Carroll will never push the envelope if he doesn't have to. So this game can be like a 16-10 to 10 game. He's going to be all about it. And I think that's where you're going to see Chicago's offense and an aptitude offense kind of catch up on Russ and kind of hinder his upside in some senses. Do I think the potential versus defense is there? Absolutely. Problem is just Chicago's not going to make you score enough to actually have to do that. Rashad Penny, I got him as an RB29. I hit a little bit of a scare. He got banged up in that game. But I'll say this, Rashad Penny, when the hole's been there, he's been running through it pretty well. Obviously, you're always running the risk that he's going to get injured at some point because that's just the Rashad Penny MO. But heading into this week, he's an RB3. He is a flex play against Chicago for me. Yeah, I agree. I think he's definitely a flex option. You're definitely concerned about the DJ Dallas usage. Um, it seems to be the guys they prefer to use in the past it situations. That they while he was out, though. And it was it was a lot when he was out, but you also saw DJ Dallas kind of jump in throughout that season, kind of seize that third down role here and there. So that's where I'm kind of concerned about some of the upside, especially the game script. But having said that, I think I said I don't think Chicago's ever going to get up a lot in this game, so there should be no problem for Sean Penny to be involved in this game. On the Bears side, you're playing David Montgomery. His usage has been there. It's been a little bit disappointing as far as the overall productiveness, but you're playing you're playing David Montgomery, and I even have him an RB ten. It's a great match against Seattle. I'm not backing off it with his usage and his ability. The question becomes: Do you play Darnell Mooney? Now, there's no Allen Robinson last week. It was a great smash spot, and he wound up leaving you kind of wanting in that game. However, still kind of a safe floor. He still had seven targets, six catches, 50-something yards, if I remember correctly, or it might uh, 50, or 63 yards. If there's no Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney is a wide receiver three based on the volume, and he does have the big playability. So I do have a wide receiver 33. I would consider him there. How about you? I agree. I know people are concerned over the last couple of weeks that Darnell Mooney is not producing, particularly in good smash spots. So he should have had games where you thought you were going to have more production. The problem you have kind of with him right now is if Clement does something or any other receiver kind of steps up, so to speak, then it kind of really limits his opportunity because Chicago just doesn't throw the ball enough for these guys to eat consistently. Having said that, Darnell has been the number one receiver most of the year for this team. He seems to be the guy they still kind of design some of their offense and plays, particularly passing attack, around. 
So he's a guy who has a safe floor for the most part and still has an upside. Let's talk about betting this game. Hoo-hoo. Seattle at home, minus six and a half favorites, over under set at 42 and a half. I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going to say Seattle covers at minus six and a half, especially if Lockett's back in the building. I, I'll, I'll, listen, I'm going to put it this way. Chicago can't score. They can't. And Seattle has played pretty well at home, surprisingly enough, even with lack of talent on the defense side of the ball. So I do think they cover at home here against Chicago. I want to agree with you, right? But I just don't like Seattle right now, so I'm not betting on them. <laughs> All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We'll take a quick break. You get to think about it a little bit more. When we come back on the other side, we still got a few more games for the Week 16 full matchup. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after I can find our spot right after this. You can get championship footballs at championshipfootballs.com. They offer a 100% money back guarantee on every single souvenir football that they sell. It's the coolest present that they'll open that day guaranteed. There's nothing worse than trying to find the right gift for somebody that already has everything. Whether that special present is for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide backer, maybe Gramps a lifelong Dallas Cowboys supporter, or your brother-in-law is in LSU Tiger territory. Know a member of the Baylor Alumni Association? Is there a better Father's Day gift for someone who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Send them the coolest present they'll open that day, guaranteed. Now, if your favorite pro team is the Buffalo Bills or those Minnesota Vikings, well, we're sorry about that. Also, if you're a New Mexico State Aggie or a Tulane Green Wave alum, not much they can do. After all, the name isn't nice effort. You had a pretty good season, footballs.com. The name is championshipfootballs.com. The coolest president they'll open that day, guaranteed. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show. Catch us on YouTube anytime when you subscribe. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app. And throw us up on your television set when you download us on the Amazon App Store for the MD's Fantasy Football Show on your Fire TV and Android devices. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dauhauer. Chris, we're getting into the last segment of our big, long marathon episode because we're doing a full Week 16 matchup preview with our fantasy expectations, our bets of the week, and getting ready for that holiday season. We are going to be back, by the way, tomorrow because we're still going to do the MD's DFS contest and our lock bets of the week with Mr. Chaz Flaherty. He'll bring on with the sports betting data on Thursday night before we head officially into the Christmas season. So it's normally our Friday show will be our Thursday night show. Same time, it'll be at 9 o'clock Eastern. So don't worry. We're still going to get you guys to win some money. Our DFS contest will still be live. We'll be back for one more show before the holiday break. But Chris... Let's get the rest of these games ironed out. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. What a headache this game has become. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Who knows if they're going to be available? So here's the question on everybody's mind. Do you play Patrick Mahomes if there's no Tyreek Hill and no Travis Kelsey against the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
Yeah, I feel like he used to put repeat for a lot of this show for the quarterback questions. Once again, I think it's going to depend on what's available for what's on your waivers that you have available. Maybe if you like a Kirk Cousins a bit more, I'd go there. I wouldn't necessarily play Jimmy G over him, but I think there's some other guys that maybe you could consider. I think Hutley could be an option over Patrick Mahomes if these guys don't play. But I think more than likely you're probably going to play Patrick Mahomes if you have him on your team because there's probably not a much better option right now on waivers for you. Right now, I have Mahomes ranked as my number seven QB, but that's also because I have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill ranked. I'm going to tell you right now, just because of how inconsistent he's been, even with these guys on the field this season, if those two don't play, no chance am I playing Patrick Mahomes this week against Pittsburgh, who has a good pass rush. Not a chance in hell. I will play Kirk Cousins. I will play Tyler Huntley. I will play Joe Burrow. I will play all of those guys over a Patrick Mahomes. He hasn't been good with them on the field. You think he's going to be better with Miko Hardman as his top target? Absolutely not. And if anything, there would be more of a game plan behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I like quite a bit this week, by the way. He's at my RB16. You love running backs against the Steelers right now. And even Darrell Williams is just outside my top 36. But yeah, I'm not playing Mahomes. The only Kansas City Chief offense that I feel good about is Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. And that's a surprise for me. That's not something I'm used to saying. I think that if those, both of those guys were going to be out, I think you could definitely play Daryl Williams as well. I think that it means the running backs would be the heavy league guys that were targeted in the game and utilized mostly. So I think that's where you can have the avenue to play both of them. If those other guys do play, I don't think you can play Williams this week just because I think Edwards Larry kind of showed you last week he's getting more with the snaps right now. And even though Williams has some kind of usage in the passing game, just the floor is not right there right now for you to kind of depend on. Yeah, what happened last week is Darrell Williams was out there for more passing plays, but mostly as a blocker. Clyde Edwards-Alaire looking like he might be starting to pull away from Darrell Williams as far as his overall usage goes. If he does it again this week, that'll pretty much cement that, but I'm not going to pass up the opportunity to play a running back against the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially one who's leading the way because they've been letting everybody run on them no matter what the situation is. Obviously, you play Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey if they can, in fact, make it back. A quick note, too. Harrison Butker also on the COVID-19 list. So if he's been your kicker, make sure you find a replacement for him as well. We flip over to the Steelers side. I know Najee Harris was a huge disappointment. Get in line with your star players. He's my RB3 this week against Kansas City. I still love the volume. I still love the player. I still love the ability. That's not changing just because of one really bad week. Yeah, I don't love him as high as top three, but I do still think he's definitely a guy you're starting this week. Say that Deontay Johnson is kind of in the same boat. He's my wide receiver six. Pat Freemuth, I think, is the only one who's questioned. Obviously, he's questioned with a concussion, but let's say he plays. I do him at tight end 13. Are you streaming Pat Freemuth this week? Yeah, I think I said after those top four guys, I think you have kind of much a crapshoot of different guys' options you can play. He's just as good as any. And Chris, when it comes to Chase Claypool, you are not doing what? I'm not playing him this week because he's not he's not playing. So if he's not playing, then I'm not playing him. <laughs> there it is. That was if you didn't miss. I missed, you, I miss, miss I missed the Ray Ray McLeod update. That Ray McLeod needs to get more time out there for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, people watch rap music at practice. I guess it's a problem. I don't know. <laughs> but that I mean that had been the case for the past couple of weeks though. I'm trying to find the line here on the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. It is not live and I do think that is a reflection of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that being a question mark Vegas not having a line that's how big of an impact they're making on this game this is the only game right now that is not live to be bet on at the moment so we're going to move on 
probably let's hope I think tomorrow we'll probably have that. So we'll be able to talk about that game probably tomorrow as far as what our bets would be. But I mean, it's so it's all heavily dependent on those two guys playing, which is why I'm not really surprised that there's no lineup there right now. So let's talk about Denver and Las Vegas. Drew Locke, he's back in the starting lineup, baby. Now, here's what I want to say about Drew Locke. And I want this on record. And he's going to my DFS lineups, by the way. Not Drew Locke, that is. But Cortland Sutton, my wide receiver, 36. Drew Locke loves him. Some Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton will finally be the lead targeted wide receiver of the Denver Broncos this week. I guarantee it with a shot for a big play, with a shot for a touchdown. And yes, why am I this happy about a guy who's been incredibly fantasy disappointed this entire season? Because I love Cortland Sutton. He's a good player. And Teddy Bridgewater refuses to give him the ball. So yeah, my wide receiver, 36. You don't want to play in your fantasy mat- playoff matchups. I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to argue with you strongly about it. But he's going to my DFS lineups at $4,200 on DraftKings. Spoiler alert for tomorrow. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I like Cortland Sutton for DFS purposes and kind of with the you know, the reunion that you kind of talk about with Drew Locke and him. Drew Locke really loved throwing the ball. It's kind of hard, you know, Cortland Sutton had his kind of take off and his, his shine before he got the injury. Um, but I, I don't love Shermer this year. And as a result, I don't I don't think Drew Locke can really help enough to Cortland Sutton. So for your regular lineups, I wouldn't love playing Cortland Sutton this week. I just can't trust it with how bad Shermer's been calling his offense right now. You probably, at this point, Cortland Sutton's always been on waiver wires in a lot of leagues. You probably have better options, more trustworthy options. But if you're looking for a shot in the dark, I think you could do worse than Cortland Sutton this week. Drew Locke, that's who he wants to go to with the ball. I like him more than Donovan Peoples-Jones, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm totally, I'm totally in agreement on, on, on that fact. So that's just one of those sleeper things I want to slip in there right away. Don't get it this twisted. Drew Locke's not a better NFL quarterback than a Teddy Bridgewater in my mind, but just for fantasy purposes as one particular wide receiver, it does give him a little bit of life. All you care about is the running backs. Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. I got great news for you guys. Well, I mean, not great news for the player, but great news for you if you own Denver Bronco running backs. Jonathan Abram's done. He's undergoing season-ending surgery. The Raiders' defense is already not great against the run. When Abram doesn't play, they're the worst against the run over the past couple of years. It's not even close. So you love Melvin Gordon. You love Javante Williams. They're both strong mid-level RB2s. If somebody were to go down, they'd be an RB1, but you're playing both of these guys with high confidence. Yeah, I think before even that injury, you still played both these guys with pretty much confidence. Now you're just feeling really extremely confident having both those guys in your lineups. I think you can go wrong with basically this Denver offense is their running backs and nothing else. Pat Shermer seems to have forgot that he used the passing, has receivers and tight ends. And it's disappointing because Denver has got so much playmakers, but he has such a crappy situation right now for fantasy-wise. All you can really rely on is running backs. On the Vegas side, it goes back to the same go-to guys. Josh Jacobs, the usage is too good to not use him. He's my RB20. I don't have him as high this week. You don't really love the match against Denver either, necessarily, but he's getting too much volume to not have in your lineups. And Hunter Renfro, my wide receiver 15. I'm not backing off of him as a mid-level wide receiver, too, just because of one game. Cleveland made a game plan that they just wanted to take him out. But for the most part, he's been the safety blanket. And we saw that without him leading the way as the offense, they could only put up 16 points against a ravaged Cleveland team. We still don't know about Darren Waller for sure yet, but he wasn't practicing again today. You play him if he plays. If not, Foster Moreau will become a top streaming tight end for me and probably get inside my top 12. 
you like that they finally did get him involved to a higher degree. He had nine targets last week. That's I don't necessarily expect nine targets, but him getting seven or more is more the expected usage I'd have for Foster Moreau moving forward here. So I guess he's the only guy to really note that you maybe have a conversation about playing. Otherwise, I'm definitely playing Jacobs and Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I'm just playing Jacobs and Renfro, and I think nobody else really matters right now for this Raiders offense. They're definitely in the second half of their season, and Derek Carr seems to be playing like Derek Carr in the second half of the season. The playoffs are still alive after that win last week, though. The betting side of this game, it's a complete pick for Denver and the Vegas. Complete pick down the road. And over-under set at 41 and a half. It's a race to 20. That's what it seems yeah. like for this game. Who, who scores 21st? Who scores 21st? <laughs> win. I think Denver's going to win. If they stay with their running backs and control this game with their defense, I think Denver wins this game. Yeah, I'm staying away from this game. I think it's a pick em. I don't like either one of these teams right now, how they're playing. No, I didn't say I like these teams. I'm just saying when it comes to these two teams, I could trust Denver a little bit more with the way they're built to come away with the victory. All right. Sunday night. It's Washington. It's Dallas. We don't know if Taylor Heineke is definitely going to clear or not. Or even Kyle Allen. Or even Kyle Allen, for that matter. Doesn't matter either. (laughs) Antonio Gibson is reportedly dealing with a toe injury. And Ron Rivera said it's similar to what he had last year, which means it's a turf toe injury. Didn't practice today. Does I don't know if he makes it back on a short week. I do have him ranked right now as an RB12 because he's getting all the volume. With J.D. McKissick out, you saw it even yesterday, passing game, he got all the targets. So there's a safe floor with a possible touchdown ratio with Antonio Gibson making him a high-end RB2, low in RB1 if he's out there. But have a pivot option. And by the way, I don't know if there's a pivot option on Washington for Antonio get for Antonio Gibson. So you're going to have to look elsewhere because I think you will see a healthy mixture of a Jared Patterson and a Jon and a Jonathan Williams. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think you could see both those backs. And you know, other than Gibson getting such an you know ungodly amount of RB one touches or volume, this offense doesn't really move the ball very much. Doesn't score many points. Offensive line isn't that great. So overall, I look at all different factors. It's not or a plug and play where you're like excited about having a backup guy, you just you know be an RB one de facto guy. Kind of we kind of stumbled into it this year, but you're just, in a situation you got guys who both probably gonna get touches, and either guy actually might get up touches to actually matter because I think right now you just this Washington offense is just putrid, and you really can't bank on getting main points out of it. I have Terry McLaurin ranked the high end wide receiver two. That's if Taylor Heineke plays. If he doesn't, I will probably lower him. But he will still probably be a wide receiver, too, for me regardless. Dallas gives up a lot of big plays. That doesn't change here with McLaurin. If they are going to move the ball, if they are going to hit a big play, it's going to be because of him. The volume's there. This past week against the Eagles, he had a big play, but it had more to do with the fact that they were playing against Darius Slay and he had Garrett Gilbert's quarterback position. It's been a rough year for Terry McLaurin, I know but I'm going to be hard-pressed to find better options available to me than a McLaurin heading into Dallas. Yep, I'm, I'm like a broken repeat record again today because just like the quarterback, it's the same thing with these receivers. They've been all over the place, but where you got them, you really don't have a whole lot better options. I want to put my lineup. I'm still throwing Terry McLaurin out there and hoping. So is there a Dallas Cowboy you're not going to play? Because I'm playing Dak Prescott <laughs> as my QB6. I'm playing ZD Lamb. He's my wide receiver nine. I'm playing Amari Cooper. I do have him as a wide receiver 34. 
Gallup's the only one I have outside my top 36, but even him, you can make a very strong case that he's a boomer bust option if you need to hit a home run in a matchup against Washington. Pollard makes my top 36. Dalton Schultz is a top 12 tight end. All these guys, because it's Washington, have a great matchup. So the real question is, does Dallas get aggressive on offense, or do they do what they did last week against the New York Giants and say, you know what, we can just show up and win this game, and that's what we're going to do? Yeah, I'm getting tired of, of getting excited about Dallas's matchups every week and how many guys that can play from their lineup because I can sit there and name off all these great options, and every week it seems to be most of a miss. So I right now, and since that Thanksgiving game, this offense has not been the same. It all comes down to that Prescott. Can he get back on the track? I mean, he's just he's playing horrible out there right now, and he's not miss, missing guys. There's no kind of continuity offensively. I was actually excited to kind of see – both Pollard and Zeke both look decent, especially Zeke actually looks like he can maybe break a 10-yard run once in a while right now. So the two factors, the offense should be turning in the right way. You should be very excited about what you want to put out there. But that press guy has been so awful that after last week and the week before, couple last couple of weeks on great matchups on paper, I don't know how confident you can be with putting any of these guys in your line other than C.D. Lamb. I think you're confident about Zeke Elliott, too. He practiced in full today. He's still leading the way in the backfield. I mean, I honestly, I feel confident about both Zeke and Tony Pollard. I think I'm just playing both of those guys and, and feeling pretty good about that. And yeah, I'm with you on CD Lamb. He's the wide receiver you want to own. The other guys, you can make the question, you know, it's going to depend upon, you know, Dak playing well, the offense being aggressive. It's kind of, I feel like I'm going to give the same analysis I did with Terry McLaurin, but it's one of those things where it's going to be hard to find better players in a better matchup this week, depending upon what your options are. Now, in the case of Cooper Cup, or Cooper Cup, geez, excuse me, Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup, there's definitely safer options because it's been a while for Mari Cooper. And, and even Gallup. Five weeks since he over 41 yards. Five yeah, weeks. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's been a while for, for Cooper. And then on Michael Gallup's side, his usage has actually kind of been there, but he is, I mean, he's what we kind of expect him to be. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three option. He's either going to hit the big play, get you a touchdown or probably get you 50 yards and call it a day. So there's going to be safer floor options. I believe you can turn to this week, but they are still in the conversation when you're going through your lineups, when you're going through your flex options. And I think that's what makes this thing so maddening. And even Dalton Schultz, who I was kind of ready to write off, but then he comes back and has a big week, and it's like if they play conservative and play close to the vest, they could go right back to Dalton Schultz at a high rate again against Washington, who, talk about teams who let up tight ends score on them all the time, that's Washington to a T. So that's where Dalton Schultz is a he's top 12 guy. He's a streaming option for me this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that numbers-wise, you have to go with that. It's just production-wise for Dallas right now, it's really hard to pick who's going to be that guy. I know last week, like we said, we were kind of both down on Blake Jarwin. We like the receivers. Receivers kind of busted other than C.D. Lamb and Jarwin stepped up. So this week's going to be interesting to see kind of how that role feels. Now, you talk about Zeke Elliott and feel confident. I feel as confident you can start Zeke and you're putting him in your lineup. What you don't have anymore is that you're not getting a RB1 anymore production. No, agree. And I have been at RB13, so I has a, a high-end RB2 heading into this game anyway. Uh, they don't have the lines up for this game. I'm going to assume there will be one for tomorrow. I don't know. That's because they're waiting on Washington, their COVID-19 situation, and what they have before they make a line. That could be the case. They have a lot of guys, especially with Antonio Gibson, banged up. Dan Snyder's holding it up, probably. I heard he's trying <laughs> yeah, well, to stop the investigation. That probably, too. Uh, I would assume by tomorrow, when we have our MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week, we'll be able to talk about that and the line. So let's dive into the Monday night game. How is this the Monday night game, by the way? Miami Dolphins, the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be a snooze, snooze fest. 
defenses to be had here. Um, I like the Dolphins defense, like the Saints are streaming defense. If you need defensive options this week, both, both, both good options, I think, for, for you this week. Offensively, it's going to be brutal. So Jalen Waddell hasn't officially come off the COVID-19 list. We still have to see if he's going to be able to or not. If he does, I think he's the only player. Well, I take I was going to say the only player in the game. He's the only player on the Dolphins that I would feel confident in playing. Slot receiver tends to do okay against the Saints. He's getting all the volume. You're playing him if you have him. But whether he's active or not, I'm not playing Devontae Parker. I don't want to play Mike Gusecki. I'm definitely not touching the running backs because who knows who's going to have the ball after that performance by Duke Johnson last week. And plus, it's the Saints anyway. It's not a great matchup either. So, Chris, I guess outside of Waddle, are you going to play a Miami Dolphin? I do have Mike Gusecki at tight end 10. I do have to mention that. If Jalen Waddle does not play, I would play Devontae Parker. Now, I know a lot of people are concerned about the Lattimore matchup. Don't look at Devontae Parker like he's any kind of slot. Just got to match up with some of the best corners over the last few years, including Stephon Gilmore the last couple of years in New England, and lit him up. So he can't beat some of the better receivers. And while Lattimore was awesome last week, in a sense, because Mike Evans, he shut Mike Evans out, Mike Evans also got hurt. Um, he hasn't been the same shutdown corner most of the season, nor has that Saints defense been unthrowable on. So you could definitely attack the secondary, and including Lattimore. So I think Parker, if he's the only guy out there outside of Waddle, I play Parker this week. Okay. I, I disagree with you. I, I think I'm not going to play Parker against Lattimore. Uh, I just... I don't like what I saw out of Tua in this offense in general against the Jets. I don't see how it's going to be better against the Saints. And I'm probably just going to stay away from it altogether. I'm not playing Tua. I'm play Parker. Well, yeah, no, I, get that. I'm just, <laughs> I don't trust Tua getting him the ball consistently enough with Marshawn Lattimore on him. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like it wound up being like a random Albert Wilson game or something of that nature if that wound up being the case. Uh, on the Saints side, you play Alva Kamara. I know it was rough. And, you know, you can make the argument his ceiling in general might be a little bit lower. Because between Taysom Hill and then now with Mark Ingram back in the fold, he's getting an unfortunate amount of touches taken away from him. But he's still Alvin Kamara. You're still going to play Alvin Kamara as an RB1. And Taysom Hill is my QB11. You need him to run. I, do I think he's going to have a great game passing the ball? No, but I don't think he's going to have a great game passing the ball even against crappy pass defenses. So the Dolphins having one of the better secondaries doesn't bother me here. It's just going to be, do you run the ball effectively enough? Do you get a couple rushing touchdowns? And it's going to be enough of a floor he comes to my QB 11 and I'm not playing anybody else. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I kind of figured there's not much else to really go over there with the saints. Uh, this, this game is up. You can bet on this game, by the way, I'm just going to pull it up here. So <laughs> the saints minus three favorites in new Orleans, the over under is the lowest one 38 and a half on the over under. Oof. I will take the saints to cover. I think they're the better team. I think it's because, especially because it's in new Orleans, I do think they actually covered the three-point spread here. I'll go with that just because it's New Orleans, and I think that the, since you're getting the three and it's at home, that's pretty much like it's like, you know, they should probably be the favorite. So I, I'll go with that. All right. That does it for the show, guys. That does it for the show, our long Christmas show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We got through it pretty quickly, almost two hours, all the games, one shot. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite pod streaming app. Download us on the Amazon App Store. Subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us this weekend because we're going to have a lot of player news notifications going out. This week is shaping up to be almost as bad as last week. So at BellyUpMDFF Show, make sure you follow us along. Again, we're going to be back tomorrow at 9 o'clock for the MD's DFS Contest and Lock Bets of the Week. The draft, it's going to be on DraftKings again because I wanted to make it simple on everybody. So 
that will be that is already live. That contest is live. We actually posted it out earlier today. We'll talk about it again tomorrow. Keep posting it out. Remember, if you win one free week of easy sports betting data and get your name in, it's the last week to get your name in on the December giveaway. So so far, the bonus Christmas gift. Bonus Christmas gift. Yeah, and so far, only me and one other person have won this month thus far. So you have time to get your name eligible for a championship football from championshipfootballs.com. That's going to do it for me. I'm Dan Maynard. Join here, Chris Dauer. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.